Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Matthew Penny is in the building. What up, Ben? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm I'm blessed to be in your company. You're the podcast king lately. Seems like you have a guest <laughs> feature on everything. You're like... 2007 Akon or Dog on, on every chorus, but uh, it's good to <laughs> wrangle you and talk some actual draft here today, here on your Penny, show. Penny, Penny, you, you're always the person that will be uh, that will be here to talk, the most important <laughs> person in my podcast life, so I'm very wow. glad that you're here. We, we've got a great show scheduled. I have not asked for mailbag questions. Penny and I have not prepared prospects of the week. Mm-hmm. Because we're doing a mock draft episode. And I feel like this is going to come to a surprise to the listeners. It's just going to drop on their feeds and it's going to be a little gift. That's my that's my plan, at least. Penny, have you like tweeted that we're doing this? I don't know. I haven't. I always follow your lead. I don't want to I don't want to have the spoiler to, to start off the game theory week. But this is I don't want to say we default back on this. But we're good for about, what, four of these a year? Seems like a, a decent time. A little bit of a reset. You released a mock draft on The Athletic. Please follow and subscribe to that. Uh, but, yeah, we can collaborate here. We can talk about what, what, what stood out the last few weeks. Yeah, no, I, I tend to like to do these after I do the one on The Athletic because, A, you tend to hear different things than I do. B, you tend to have different evaluations, at least to an extent, mm. than what I have. And I think that it's always a worthwhile exercise because I think that it goes to show just how quickly things can cascade in a draft whenever you're doing this because you and i are essentially drafting here like we are going one two three four going back and forth and we are kind of just mixing and matching and uh i think that it's a really good exercise that kind of explains the wildness of draft night and also you and i for this there's no team needs so we're just drafting one through 30 this is sort of in a vacuum which changes for for me a little bit because if i'm drafting for the Magic versus the Rockets, two very different needs. If I'm drafting yeah. for just what I see right now, and, and you're good at this, of having a big board and a mock draft, they're two different yeah. entities, both have their own kind of value. So if people freak out because somebody's too high or too low, doesn't mean that's necessarily the range, but sort of just where you or I have them at this point in time, middle of January, still very, very fluid, still wide open, I'd say at the top, still wide open at the middle, and still wide open at the bottom. We're doing our best to project, and it'll change. I promise it'll change. Yeah. It's funny, like I had a coach reach out to me yesterday about a freshman that has played well the last, you know, couple of weeks, basically, and said like, hey, like, what what are you thinking about this? What are you hearing from scouts about this guy? And I was just like, look, this draft at the bottom is so wide open that like I, this guy's played two games or something like that worthy of consideration for mm. the NBA draft and to be like a potential uh, draft pick this year. Right. But I can't rule him out right now. <laughs> like I, I no. can't even rule him out that like he might end up being uh, in this draft because if he continues down that road, like it's a real thing, right? Uh, totally, totally. I mean, you're seeing guys, it's, it's similar to the NBA. I saw the G League has 100 plus call-ups already. Not that the NCAA has call-ups per se, but when, when guys get COVID, they're sidelined. You, you hit injuries a little bit this time of year. Other players who have been sitting on the bench patiently waiting are having their chance to show this is the skill set. This is why in the preseason I was such as heralded recruit or why I was early on draft boards and, and some guys are backing yeah. it up and some are shying away. 
conference plays just started there's there's time on the clock but it, it's starting to take a little bit more form which i like the first one we do the first week or two into the season is fun but i, I know that by now it, it's going to look a lot of a, a different project than it did uh, in november and we, we have good news we have an update peyton watson has made a field goal since the last time oh, we recorded right. <laughs> uh he in the new year he made well, it, it made be, one yeah. field goal in the new year against Long Beach State. Uh, he went one for four in that game. He also had two free throws. He had three assists. He had a couple blocks. He played twenty minutes. Like it was, it was a nice little positive showing um, that ended in four points, unfortunately. Um, but he's finally made a field goal. He followed it up with another over against Cal the next game. Uh, unfortunately, Peyton Watson will not be featured in this mock in large portion because. Look, I just can't project that guy coming out. And I think that here it is worth explaining as well. I personally tried to do like projection in some regard as to whether or not a player will leave or will return. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, like I did not rank Max Christie on mine. I, I... just didn't I didn't do that like I don't know that he's going back to Michigan State I just know that like the whole plan there from the jump was like if he he needs to go high on draft night not just like a borderline first round pick maybe a second round pick and he'll leave uh the impression I got the whole way with Max Christie was he needs to be like a higher up draft pick on draft night. Otherwise, he's going to be very comfortable staying at Michigan State. So given the fact that he's been uh, he's come on a little bit lately, but like he's been underwhelming throughout the course of the entire season, maybe is the fair way to put it. I decided not to rank him. Um, how, how, what was your philosophy like here with that? Similar. A, a, a couple of those guys I, I did rank. Max has been good, especially the last three or four games. He, he's broken out a little bit. Nothing crazy, but 11 points here, 14 points there. Looks more comfortable yep. pulling up. This is a funky draft. I, this is Maybe every draft is funky, and I just it, it hits me around this time of the cycle that from like the middle of the first round down, it, it's very kind of number three, four-ish type starters in the NBA and, and guys that can still have a role. But if you're drafting there from 20, say, 3 to 4, all the way down to the 30s, into the mid-30s in the second round, you can yep. take a, a little bit of a swing. Because I don't think there's there's guys screaming that they're going to be contributors early. So if you take a, a freshman that declared, like Max, that might have more value than an older guy that, that may be around that same range, too. Yeah, no, I think that that's a really good point. I mean, we're coming off of a game now where... I mean, Max, like, drastically outplayed Bryce McGowan's in Michigan mm-hmm. State's last game. And I am still trying to make a decision on what to make of Bryce McGowan's in many ways. Because, yeah. you know, that context there is not great. He plays next to Alonzo Verge, who is probably my least favorite player in college basketball this Ooh. season. Strong. I, I would say he's up there just in terms of, like, dominating the ball and not doing a whole lot with it, unfortunately. Um, So I think that makes it a little bit tough, but you know, I, I, it's, it's hard to figure out who's going to stay and who's going to go at this point. That's the reason I bring all of this up Uh, just to say that if your favorite player is missing from this mock draft and you think he's a top 30 guy, 
there's a reasonable chance that like I, I don't know like Malachi Branham or something like that at Ohio State, right? Like he had 35 against Nebraska. He had what like 20 yeah. against Northwestern. Yep. I, I just like don't know what to do. He's played two or three or four or whatever like reasonable games against um, Big Ten competition and. You know, maybe he's a one and done by the end of the year. I don't know. Maybe he's not. We'll see. You know, if you don't like where we have him, we had everybody else thirty first. So he yes, just missed the cut. He's go. there. He was thirty first. We only have a couple hours, and the uh, thinking about time constraints here, we only do so much. Yeah, and thinking about time constraints, I think we should start now. Uh, okay, I'm on the clock at number one. You are. I'm going to select Jabari Smith at number one. Sharpie crossing off the list. Oh, God. Just sharpieing. What are we doing here? Um, I'm I'm mock draft. (laughs) Okay. So why Jabari Smith at number one over Chet Holmgren, Paula Bancaro, Jaden Ivey, etc. So I've been pretty steadfast in that over the course of the last, let's say, I mean, I've probably been on this for a month now, would you say, that I've had Jabari at number one? Yeah, something Mm -hmm. like that. And it's because I think that if all the component pieces of Jabari Smith's game come together in terms of his elite-level shooting already, his versatile defense that he's already displaying in terms of being able to slide laterally, uh, be an available weak-side rim protector, uh, being generally available as a smart, intelligent help defender— I think that if he can, and also in addition to that, he's shown some real transition ability as a ball handler and as a shot creator in open spaces uh, in a way that is impressive. I think that this is another circumstance where we look at these big dudes who are multi-talented. You know, your Scotty Barnes is last year, your who whoever's, right? These bigger, taller guys that can actually handle the ball a little bit their skills tend to play up more in the NBA than in college because of the issues with spacing in college basketball. The court is just more condensed. The paint is more packed because the three-point line is shorter and teams uh, tend not to start their offense uh, in spacing uh, with off-ball players until right at that three-point line because those are the easier shots to make, obviously, Mm -hmm. than starting it at 25 feet for a college player. So the court ends up just being more packed, and I think we often don't get a chance to see some of these ball skills that a lot of these bigger players have because – Again, if you're six foot ten, you just take up more space on the court than if you're someone that's six foot tall, for instance, like Kennedy Chandler, right? Totally. So I think that there is some latent ball handling ability in Jabari Smith. I think that he when you mix that with the shooting, it has a chance to really come together in a package that is the highest upside player in the twenty twenty two NBA draft. Mm. Uh, so I, I agree with most of that, and I have Jabari second. I think it's really close between him and who I will draft second in a minute here. With Jabari, too, a couple of things I had beyond that is he erased early the concerns I had about like the style being transferable to Auburn because they play so fast and they play such this frantic pace. And uh, he showed he can play really fast, play the top of the press, trap, get his hands in passing lanes. Yeah. 
And then when the court shrunk down, it's a half-court game, he can play that style too. He, he can run some dribble handoffs, loves the high ball screen and popping out to shoot, can take it off the dribble a little bit. I want him to shoot it from two better, finish it a little bit better. His, his two-point percentage numbers aren't the best. Has the NBA bloodlines. I'm also encouraged with some of the bad games he had because as good as he's been, it shows he still has work to do. Like that South Carolina game, he had four turnovers. He got into double figures late. He forced some passes. Mm. He's very young as well. So I'll I'll give him that. He's a stud. Uh, I'm not sure if he's first or second, but he's right there for me too. Really like him a lot. Yeah, and I think that within this as well, just for people who aren't as familiar with these prospects, we should probably just like give a bit of biographical information on them. Uh, That's on me with Jabari Smith. Uh, So six foot ten. What do you want to say? Two twenty five, something like that. Sure. Yeah, so somewhere between 220 and 225, something in that ballpark. Uh, power forward, I think he's more of a four than he is a five. Like, I, I Do you think there's a world where he could play some five uh, in smaller lineups long term? Yeah, sure. Smaller lineups or for stretches. I don't necessarily think he's a five all the time because he'll get banged more in the post. Uh, I, yeah. He could then exploit those mismatches on the perimeter offensively, but I would more utilize him as a switching four that if yeah. he has to switch four to three, four to two, even four to one, I'm okay. Rather than kind of have him on the post more, boxing out, calling out coverages, he's just more of an asset when he has the versatility to, to be flexible defensively. Here's actually a good question. Do you think it's more likely that he slides down the lineup to the three or slides up the lineup to the five? Ooh. Right now, I'd say five. Just because mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily buy the ball handling yet. It, it, yeah. If that gets tighter and he gets a little bit more wiggle, yes. Yeah, I don't hold my breath when he drives, but I also don't feel great that he's going to get there and convert. Or if a second guy steps up, if it's not a Euro stepper behind the back, how is his counter to that? Where yeah. as a five, he can simplify. It, it's catch and shoot. It's face up from the block. It's step out and, and take a three. Hit back for a, a side ball screen maybe. With the yep. three, he would just need a little bit more offensive creativity to be able to create his own shot. Yeah, and I agree with that for what it's worth. Uh, I, I just would also say that I think right now it's more likely he slides down toward the three because mm. I think it's a bit more likely that he adds those skills than I think where you are on yeah. him. Which is fine. Like I'm, yeah. I'm willing to be bullish on an 18 year old adding just like a little bit of differentiation uh, off the bounce. Uh, given some of the flashes we've seen in transition so far from him as a pull up shot creator, but I would understand the opposite as well. The last note on Jabari Smith: he doesn't turn 19 until May. May. So. Yeah. Uh, he is the youngest elite level prospect in this class. Uh, he is one of the youngest prospects, period, in this class. So I'm willing to bet on a uh, continued meteoric rise for Jabari Smith. Penny, you are up at number two. Number two. I still get number one on my big board. This is like a, a fantasy draft miracle here. I am going to go with Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. Seven feet tall, seven foot six wingspan. Pull up the scale. What what do we think he weighs these days? Hundred and ninety nine pounds. Um, yeah, I was gonna say. Just given that guys tend to lose weight throughout the course of the season, I'd guess that there's a chance he's down at like 
192 even right okay. now. <laughs> um, <laughs> 190 range. He, he's he's but, slim. But let's let's hope he gets up to you know 205, 210 before the draft. That would be great. Statistically, yeah. he hasn't been a, a true monster as someone expect for that I have at the number one pick that you have at maybe two or three. He looks like Slenderman a little bit, but doesn't play that way. 13 points per game, eight rebounds, three and a half blocks, two assists. He's definitely more perimeter-oriented right now, although he ranks in the top 30 in the country in transition scoring, too. He shoots 81% around the basket while shooting 61% from the field, so there is some touch there, too. The three-point numbers and the jump shooting numbers aren't great, which kind of what i said with jabari smith like i'm okay with because i've seen him shoot it i, I know it's a, a byproduct of the role more that he's being asked to play at gonzaga even as the number one pick he's a complimentary piece the offense is still going to run through drew timmy for right now it shows that he can play as a, a secondary type guy we just talked about how skinny he is he's still an intimidator on defense the the nba level there'll be some strength adjustment and i don't know how scared as many guys the nba will be as they are in college uh, I don't want to overthink it, the weight, too much. I, I know it's definitely a factor because if he were 15 pounds heavier, this would be an absolute no-brainer. We, we had some strength issues, hold-ups with Evan Mobley. He hasn't really had like a, a huge adjustment translation issue. I believe Chet is going to get there, and because of that, he'll be the best player in the draft. I have him second, number one on my big board, and I'm good with that. So... I've had Chad at number three for a while. I had, when I went through and did like the scrub for this, I realized that I have him at two. So I think this is a good pick. I, I, I've been impressed by the shooting regression that we've seen over the course of the last few games with him. Like he's made, I want to say like, you know, two threes against Merrimack in late in early December. And then he made a three against Texas tech. He made three against Northern Arizona. He made a three uh, earlier this week against Pepperdine. He's up over 71% from the free throw line again. Like we're starting to get to the point where his offensive play is shining through oftentimes against lower end competition. But I think that that's fine given where he is right now as a player. Uh, I've had some pushback from some people on his defense, if only due to the bulk. And I would like to give you the chance to explain why you're not worried about the lack of bulk whenever it comes to his defense. Because I, I think I agree with you on that for what it's worth. Like, I... And not as concerned about it, but it's it's in the back of my mind for sure. I would say, yeah. Well, it Chet so much of his timing too and recovering yeah. in, in weak side. I don't I don't think it's going to be a lot of even now. He's he's a very good but not like elite on the ball defensive shot blocker, especially if it's against a bigger person. But it's more like those recoveries, even when he's beat and he hustles back and, and protects the rim, or he's initially yeah. bumped, he recovers back and, and swats stuff away. So because the timing is so good, it's not just like straight up and down jumping. And when you have the standing reach that he has, you, you have the benefit of, of both of those. So, yeah. yes, will he be isoed and, and buried in the post when he's facing Joel Embiid? Absolutely. I also think he's going to be playing more four or closer to three-ish than five-ish. So I don't know how many of those matchups he'll get. The, the last part I'll have on him, and I've done this with Jabari uh, Smith. I've done this with Paul Bancaro. 
I found myself going back and watching a high school film because these guys are playing very specific roles to team and team needs. So yeah. there's some evaluators, and, and I don't know specifically, I'm not trying to throw shade here, they, they haven't seen him with like the handle out on the break and crossing guys over and running the offense. And Paolo, the stuff I watched today from the grind stuff, she's hitting step back threes and with balance and with confidence. Yep. So these guys also have, beyond what they're showing on the college stage, we've learned that through draft cycles. So uh, both, it, it's a great, good, very good top of the class where bigs are being somewhat limited and there could be more underneath the hood, as I like to say, too. Okay, let's go to number three. Here we go. This is where it starts. Yeah, it doesn't really start here for me because I'm going to do something that you uh, would not do, I think. Uh, I'm going to take Paulo Bancaro at number three. Okay. And he is a six foot nine and a half, six foot ten power forward, I would call him, out of Duke. Uh, He is 19 years old. I believe he turns 20 before uh, he'll play a game in the NBA. Does that sound right? Yeah, sounds right. Don't have the date of birth in front of you. It sounds right. Yeah, I mean, I, I can pull that up while we're talking here. I mean, uh, he is, yeah, he turns 20. He'll he'll be 19 when he first plays an NBA game, but he turns 20 very quickly after that. Um, yeah, to me, Paulo is one of the more polished mismatch bigs that I've seen come through in a while. And I think that you can take that one of two ways. So on one hand, I think he is going to be able to step into the NBA and average, you know, 15 points next year. Like no pretty easily. He's physically ready to do so. He is uh, not going to have a problem in terms of translating his body, in terms of style of play or anything. He's going to be ready for the physicality of the NBA. Uh, and on top of that, the technical craft within his handle is extremely uncommon for someone as big as he is and as strong as he is at 19 years old. Uh, he can go like right to left, left to right, hesitation, you know, right to left, step back, can a 18-footer at Duke. Like you said, he's been able to do it from three uh, at lower levels. I think that's a really key skill set to have in today's NBA. Having that technical craft off the bounce, given the way that the game is officiated now, that is a way for you to genuinely gain a real advantage. Now, uh, do, do you want to do you want to talk about the comparison that you sent me uh, and our mm, mutual friend? Yeah, uh, uh, just 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 a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, and I my, figured my, you did. So let's let's uh, let's go into that one, and I'll explain I'm glad why. You had the first pick. So don't I? It. Yeah, I, I I need to take one step back. If that's okay. So Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren, they're my first tier. Those two guys are my first tier. The next tier is Paolo and, and two other guys we'll get to, and it's fluid who those guys are. And I like everything about Paolo. You said I like how he can create his own. He's great in the mid post. He, he's a reliable scorer. I think for all the knocks we'll potentially talk about now, it's not going to negate the scoring. I'm with you that he could average 15, 16 points per game as a rookie. Say you're an idiot for having him so low. I get it. The overall three-point shooting numbers have not been good. He's 32% from the college line. And then if you go back, and, and granted, it's only 10 games on Real GM for the UIBL. He's four for 21 from three. He looked yep. better in the grind session. So my concern was there was a, a prospect drafted a couple years ago who shot 38, 39% from college three, now shoots 21% from NBA three. 
similar type numbers we said player a player b one of those things where it's like a bear trap on twitter like who do you like and player a is great and player b doesn't play the numbers are close to ob toppin and i'm not saying paulo's ob toppin but i i just wonder if the shooting with the numbers where they are now where ob's a 21 percent shooter from nba3 does that scare people enough to say he might not be able to really stretch the floor and then you're living and dying from the mid post you're living and dying mm-hmm. from kind of side isos and then when people give you room will you be able to shoot so that's why i alluded to watching more high school film because i've been wrestling with is this the type of guy who's really good in college can score in the nba but then you get him in space the defense is all right the shot he can't always knock down where if you're chet holmgren he's always going to protect the rim if you're jabari smith yeah. he's always going to move well laterally so is that a separator enough for you that it scares you at a power forward who's a, a low 30% shooter? It looks good, but then you back up that line a little bit to NBA 3. Does it get dicier? So I'm not as worried about the Toppin comparison on offense. I think that Paulo is a drastically more skilled player than no what question. Obi was. Yes. Obi is more athletic and more explosive, yep. but... In terms of handle, in terms of ability to create for himself, I, I think Paulo is drastically ahead. Like, very, very far ahead. And take into account that he's very far ahead being, I believe, two and a half years younger than Obi was when Obi came out of date. Mm-hmm. So, I, I understand what you're saying there, more because of the defensive side. Uh, I think there is some potential where a coach won't totally know what to do with Paulo. Uh, yes. And that's kind of been a thing with the Knicks, to be honest. And part of that is like Tom Thibodeau, right? Like Tom Thibodeau uh, always wants like elite level rim protection on the court. He plays, mm-hmm. you know, Mitch Robinson and Nerlens Noel and those guys and even plays like a you know decent amount of Taj Gibson in the past, right? Like that's... That's something that he genuinely really cares about. I think a different coach might be more willing to live with some of the trade-offs that Obi Toppin brings. Yep. But Paulo doesn't have that explosive athleticism as a weak side potential rim protector. I will say, even at 19 years old versus Obi Toppin being 22 coming into the draft, I think Paulo's defensive instincts are better. I think yeah. that he is a better positional defender right now than what Obi was entering the draft. And that hopefully will allow him a bit more leeway. He's also stronger. He probably weighs 15 more pounds than what Obi did coming into the draft. Uh, he's just really solid and strong. Like it's hard to move him in, in a real substantial way. Whereas Obi has like kind of these weird long arms or not long arms, like long legs, despite not having long arms and he can kind of be yeah. displaced a little bit. Um, I, I just kind of look at I think it's going to be easier to get Paulo on the court than it is than it has been to get Obi Toppin on the court and I think that once you do that his offensive mismatch ability in terms of being able to create his own shot which is something that Obi Toppin can't really do because he doesn't have the handle doesn't have the wiggle doesn't have the game off the bounce doesn't have the pull up game that Paulo does even from the mid range I think it's a little bit easier to make work. But it, defensively, it I think some of the role stuff that you bring up with Toppin is very 
potentially right. That's, that's the that's the shades part of it. I'm not saying A to B like this is this is Obi Toppin yeah, two point totally. and, and maybe the situation the fit isn't perfect. It's more from the four position because we think he's a four, right? I mean, he could guard up and and play five, maybe small ball end of the game for yeah. You know, we're, we're not I'll be honest, defense, like, but the the more I think about it, the more I think the teams are going to use him that way, like as an end of game five, because we kind of are underrating how strong he is. Oh no! Like he he's, is two hundred forty five pounds. He is in an enormously strong human being. Like he doesn't look like he weighs two forty five. He might weigh two thirty eight at the end of games, given how much he sweats. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, two twenty nine after a double practice. Yeah, right. But I think that that level of strength, as he gets older, even he's going to get even stronger. I think that's going to allow him to play some five. Like to me, that's that's more what allows you to play down the lineup. Even more than like being long and lengthy and everything, like just having the strength to hold your spot. And look, I don't think he's going to be able to hold his spot against like Joel Embiid, but I think he's going to be able to hold his spot against most NBA centers. And with that, too, and this is why I started off by saying this is more or less our big boards and not mock drafts with actual team needs. If he's next to a, a shooting four or shooting five, I'm not as worried. It's like you build yeah. around those kind of pieces. But if it's two non-shooters in the front court, that's when I get a little bit more scared. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, okay. Uh, do, do we want to move to number four now? Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do four. So three through five are very close for me. Whew. All right. You know what? I'm shooting it. Um, I'm with the fourth pick. I am taking a surging sophomore from Madison, Wisconsin. I am taking Johnny Davis. Yeah, I, I typed this one in for you at four, like a couple <laughs> minutes ago. I kind of I knew that well, this was happening. You, you, you bailed me out when I said, do you want to pick first or second? Because I, I may have taken him third. So it feels, yeah. here's my thing with, with Johnny, six foot five, uh, combo guard-ish, I'd say, better probably off the ball. It feels like he's had this coming out party all year, and he's invited like the draft community to come to it the last three weeks. I mean, he's averaging 23 points per game. I believe he's third in the nation scoring behind Keegan Murray and Kofi Coburn. Seven and a half rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.4 steals. He was MVP of the Mom Invitational. So he has this huge 37-point game on the road versus Purdue, this huge prospect matchup with Jaden Ivey. And some may think, is this this one-hit wonder type of prospect game? Then he follows it up with Keegan Murray in Iowa, another top 10 guy on my board, with 26 points. So there's consistency there. It's not one or two games where we're trying to say, well, if he keeps doing it, like he has kept doing it. He has this killer off-the-dribble pull-up game from mid-range shades, again, shades of like a Dwayne Wade-ish type style, can hit threes. He he can mix in a step back or two. The three-point shot's getting there. It's still not great. Not a a super vertical athlete, And, and that said, he can still get to his spots where he needs to on the court. He'll defend. Powerful athlete, I think, Power, is the way to put it. Powerful athlete, but just not the the pop of the rim where it's like the, the Jaden Ivey-type posters. You're not really going to get that yeah. all the time. He can in space. Now, when they run an underneath out of bounds where he kind of like curls around, they throw at the rim, he can catch and dunk. Like, no problem. Yeah. I just mean, if he has a guy on his hip, he's going to power through and get an and one because he's strong, but he's not carrying it and dunking it, too. Right. But you look at you look at some of the top prospects this year and yesterday year, and we point their supporting cast – 
not being that strong. And, and, and I argue that his is the strongest. So I asked an NBA scout, I said, is his scoring and his play a byproduct of needing to do all that and the team couldn't succeed without it? And he said, you're kind of looking at it wrong. What, like, what if you flip that? What if they're really good because of all the stuff he's doing and not sort of like in spite of it? Like he's pulling Wisconsin up to the level of basketball that he's playing and it's not necessarily yeah. a, a bunch of future NBA guys there and they're 13 and two. Like they're they're good. Right. They lost one game to Ohio State. They got whacked, but they've answered the bell. He he checks a lot of boxes for me. He was also a former All State quarterback. His dad had a cup of coffee in the NBA. Played ten plus years overseas. Everyone says a great worker. He he grew up playing Under Armour system. I've seen the development. Uh, came out of nowhere a little bit. I thought this was a year or two away. I never thought I'd be on a draft podcast number one, but number two, saying I'm taking Johnny Davis fourth overall. Uh, we're here. It's very, very close between him and the next guy. I'm sure you'll take, but I, I really like where he's going as a player. Yeah, it's interesting. So I've talked to a few Big Ten coaches just about Johnny Davis, and they were like, "Yeah, we all loved him. We all thought he was an NBA player at some point. We never saw top five, top ten. We've never. I've not talked to a coach that was like, "Yeah, like we saw him as a top ten pick at some point, let alone as a sophomore." I- I like, mean, we didn't. We, we talked about it. Seems like a hundred wings, a hundred bigs, a hundred point guards preseason. Yeah. We didn't even mention them. And and I've known the didn't kid. Like him. I've known his game for years. And I, I just didn't think what he averaged like eight or nine points per game or, or something along there. It yeah. wasn't anything monumental. You thought this is a junior year conversation. Maybe it's like an older senior who's who's steady. But he he's just like he's he's elevated everything he's done. Everything he's done yeah. has just been th- this boost in the last year. So uh, I'll bring up the questions here that I've gotten for, for about him. Okay. Uh, how worried are you about the long distance shooting? Not very. I mean, just just a little yeah. bit. When when you see when he has clean catch and shoot looks, it, it's not bad. Like I, it's yeah. it's not not bad shots. And he mixed in a a step back or two. And when he gets rocking, when he when he starts in the mid range and kills you with a few fifteen footers. And then he took one or two in that Iowa game. I'm like, forget it. This like this is ridiculous. I think I texted you during the Purdue game. I said, he's doing a thing right now. And that was in the first yeah. half. Because you see how it leads to his defense and back to his offense and back to his defense. And, and he can carry over that. So I, I'm not worried about him shooting from three. How worried are you about his lack of size? He's six foot four. Um, Ish. For, for a wing. Yeah, let's say between six four and six five, Something like that, I would say. Um, for a wing who, I don't know, like how good do you feel about him defending point guards, for instance? How good do you feel about him moving up the lineup to defend fours? Like I, I worry that he might not even be, be able to like consistently handle bigger like combo forwards like a Harrison Barnes or something like that. You know what I mean? Sure. It's, I don't know if he'll necessarily guard a ton of threes, probably more ones and twos, but he, he's mm-hmm. still six four, six five. We're not talking about a guy who's six foot two and lighting it up. It's yeah. not like he he's small. Just he, he's not six foot seven, six foot eight either, and has like this crazy wingspan. But I, yeah. I don't when, when he does everything else so well, and you've seen enough of the defense where I don't want to say he cheats for his steals and points, but he's smart, and he's savvy in the way he takes his chances to to make that defensive impact too. Right. Uh, look, I, I don't think teams will like hunt mismatches against no, Johnny Davis. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. No, I'm with that. I, I don't know that he's going to be... Look, he's like a very, very high-level defender at Wisconsin. Like, very, 
very, very good. He's put up a few like elite level prospect games on defense for them so far. Like you go back and you watch that Houston game, it is one of the better perimeter defensive games I've seen from a prospect this year. Uh, I think he's probably like somewhere in the top, you know, four or five perimeter defensive prospects in this NBA draft. To be honest, I just worry a little bit about the versatility. Um, yep. he, he's good on ball and contests and fights, and his strength allows him to get through screens. Uh, I'm, I Johnny Davis at five. Like I'm, I'm there. Uh, yep. I, I don't mind this pick at all. Uh, okay, let's You're go up number five to number five. Yeah, I'm taking Jaden Ivey. This okay. is the guy I had at four. I still have yep. him at four, even though Johnny Davis outplayed him in their game uh, when they matched up against one another. I, I just see the upside with Jaden Ivey is being, yep. honestly, frankly, like much greater than with Johnny Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it all comes together, uh, Ivey's just explosive athleticism and his ability to... Uh, get out on the break to burst around the court uh his first step is utterly elite uh his athleticism and explosiveness and twitch all of that i mean that is would you call it elite for an nba point guard i don't know that i'd call it elite but he's certainly gonna be one of the yeah I i would say like one of the 10 best athletes in terms of like intersection of size given the fact that he's like six foot four and bounce and like explosiveness and power and everything like you kind of what is the nfl draft thing like the spark score like if you put like a spark score together for Jaden ivy like i don't know if he's he's not like john morant or anything like that but he is uh certainly going to be within that top group of point guards uh on top of that i mean you look at the numbers here he he has brought it all together this year offensively. Uh, he is shooting 44% from three right now. Yeah. Uh, I was a pretty clear proponent of, I think Jade Nivey is going to shoot long-term uh, in the preseason. Like I said that throughout the entirety of the preseason, he made 40% of his threes in high school over the course of his final three years. I think that last year was the anomaly with Jaden Ivey in terms of shooting, not this year. Uh, Just based off of the track record and the trajectory that he's been on throughout the course of his career. Mm -hmm. Uh, The passing, in terms of like live dribble passing, it has taken a leap. Like He doesn't play point guard all the time for Purdue. He leads the break in transition for them, uh, more so than like plays as a half-court point guard. But... Man, some of the live dribble passing flashes have been absolutely outstanding and make you believe that he's a long-term point guard. Uh, the questions are somewhat similar to the questions I had about Jalen Suggs last year and that have propped up over the course of his first little bit in Orlando here. Uh, what does he look like when he actually has to make these high-level ball screen reads? I, I would say, like, just doesn't have as much experience kind of progressing through those options right like he has not necessarily gotten as many reps out of ball screens as someone like uh, i'm like john morant did coming into college or coming into the nba right and i think that that could lead to lower assist numbers early in his career despite the fact like jalen suggs he does have high level vision Mm -hmm. and control over the ball as a passer 
I worry a little bit about the handle, like a, a little bit. I think that it could get better technically over the course of the early portion of his career. But it's far enough along for him as a 19-year-old to where I'm willing to just bet on it and go for uh, the bet on the upside. So I've got Jaden Ivey at uh, is a 6'4 guard, 200 pounds out of Purdue, uh, sophomore. I have Jaden Ivey as my number five overall pick. I really like him. He's he's really, really close with John Davis. He is a lightning bolt at the open court. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like he shot out of a cannon. And there'll be more of those opportunities, too, in the NBA versus college because there's more spacing. And you'll see when he's in the half court and kind of gets like a clearish view uh, of like a cleared outside, he's like, oh, I'm going. And, and you see these oh, highlights totally. where he catches yeah. it, and it's like two dribbles, he floats, he dunks, and it's ridiculous. You think it's a once-a-game play, and he'll do it three or more times. And then he can use those tools when the game slows down, whether it is quick rips, when it is now I have to shoot and they're giving me space. He's like has that chameleon sense, and he adapts himself similar to Jabari Smith to the way the game is played. And doesn't get too sped up or slow down either. And the shooting definitely helps. The passing is significantly better. Keeps his head up. He's very good at jump stopping and, and finding shooters in the corners or, or opposite. Has to be a yeah. little bit careful as he gets to the NBA because that's like scouting report 101. And shocking, Brad Davison drew a charge on it because that's going to be the scout. He jumps to pass. He floats a little bit. Charge. Uh I'm glad you brought up the matchup that him and Johnny Davis had because it's not necessarily like a recency thing for me either. They both have very strong cases. Ivy is the potential prospect with higher upside. Johnny Davis is more of the maybe production right now. Both both very good, and I, I like that pick. He was next on my board. Anyway, I had a four overall, fifth for, for you here. as Paul snuck in. Okay, this is where this thing starts to get <laughs> wide open, and at the 40-minute mark, we are going to take a quick commercial break. Okay, we are back. Mm. Let's go to number six, Penny. Number you are six. Up, I'm writing and down this the is pick, where this thing giving it to the yeah, commissioner. Becomes, oh boy! Not for me. I'm, I'm I'm good here. Six. I'm taking Keegan Murray from Iowa. Six foot eight, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. We want to go with yeah. here. I don't, I don't have their weights. And, and, and for reference on this, like. To show how wide open this draft gets now, I think after you get outside of the top five, I'd Keegan Murray at 11. I love it. That's why we're here. So, number one score in the country. He's had 35 points twice. He, he gets his buckets. He's destroyed his non-conference schedule. At his size, he moves well, I'd say, on both ends. He finishes in transition. He can play some on the wing, and now he's shooting 37% from three after a slow start, so it shows you how much better he's gotten as the season has wore on, too. I, I thought he had some shots just kind of go in and out early in the year, but I, I like the way that he set up. I like his footwork. He can set that top ball screen, stay there, and either shoot or go off the dribble, go into the dribble handoff. He has that offensive front court versatility. Then defensively, and I think this is where we, we kind of part ways a little bit, I think he can guard three through five. He can guard up the lineup. He guarded 
Johnny Davis some in that loss to Wisconsin. And Johnny Davis is third in the country in scoring. He's going to get his points. But he worked for it, and you saw if it was a lesser offensive player, he would have stymied it a, a little bit more than he did. His defensive numbers, just the straight-up stats of it, getting two blocks a game, a steal and a half per game, Back to the offense, he plays well through contact at the rim, shoots close to now this 40% from three. It's that plug-and-play offense that's appealing to me in, in the top ten, just right outside the top five. Okay, so you mentioned the defensive versatility. Yes. Because that, that's, that is my question, to be honest. Mm-hmm. like we, we brought up the name Obi Toppin with Paulo earlier and to me this is more the guy that i have like obi toppin ish defensive concerns okay really defensively oh i don't i don't see that see see obi and it was it was kind of like in in space a little bit obi was like the pick and roll defense like i think keegan's a little bit smarter too and and has these defensive instincts to to rotate to recover to scramble where sometimes can be lacking otherwise I don't – so, like, Keegan is more flexible, I would say, than Obi. O- Obi was, like, kind of stiff and, like, struggled to move a little bit. But in terms of, like, lateral quickness, I don't know that Keegan is particularly awesome there. Like, the guy that I kind of am thinking about in my brain in terms of the comparison for Keegan Murray is, like, a Marcus Morris almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's an, another set of twins. He has a twin brother, Chris Murray, of two horses. So, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, well, it's, a, it's actually it's funny because we've had two set of twins going to the top six with Johnny Davis and Jordan Davis and Keegan and Chris Murray. But go on. I digress. Just connecting the pieces here. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. I didn't even think about that until you just said that. Like, yeah, what sorry. a weird world. Yeah. Um, yeah, like when I watch Keegan Murray, I, I worry a little bit more about the defense where the comparison with – top and again falls apart is offensively like i think keegan has more off the bounce i think he just has a little bit more skill in terms of being able to create his own shot uh whereas ob was post-ups pick and rolls where guys were feeding him the ball etc keegan is let's clear out the left side of the floor give him some space to operate and he'll figure out how to get a move off the bounce maybe get back to a pull up like he loves that like little fadeaway mid post jumper like that's been um, a really nice little shot for him this year. Yeah. You, you think of him as what level shooter? Uh, like, do you think he's what, like a thirty-five percent shooter? Do you think I do. he's a? I, do. I think that's fair 30, for NBA three. Do you think he's like a thirty-eight long term? Do you think he's like a forty guy? Like, what, where are we at on him? Well, I was ironically not not for comparison, but just having this talk today. Like Kevin Love, for the most part. You kind of see him as a shooter. He was 37-ish, 38-ish for a, a long time in his NBA career. I'm not saying Keegan's going to be there, but somewhere in that like 36-ish, 37-ish position-ish range. Okay. So if you think that, what do you – I mean, where are you on him as a passer? Because that's another kind of question that I have. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're breaking down piece by here. I, I think good enough. He, he's also similar to Johnny Davis in, in his situation. And situationally, yeah. he's first in the nation scoring because Iowa needs him to score. He doesn't have Luca Garza next to him. Like, Toussaint's fine. McCaffrey's fine. Like, they, they have other guys there who can do it. But the load is on him to score. So I don't even yeah. think he necessarily, like, 
thinks about passing a lot because if he's not putting up points, they could score 50 points a game. I, I like Keegan. <laughs> I, I'm just struggling a little bit with like what the role is, I guess. Like, I, I sh- like is he like an off-ball mover? Because a lot of his offense comes like he gets the ball, they you know clear clear out a side for him and he creates or mm-hmm. he gets the ball like grabs and goes and transition and you know uh makes play happen that way and goes to score right uh to me it's like do you think a team is going to like do you think he's like a top 3 scorer on a team so a team is going to give him the ball and just like let it go probably third okay. I, don't, I don't think one or two but the same type of stuff they do at Iowa where he can trail the play pick and pop and then you can shoot threes and if he's shooting 37 percent the nba great if not yeah. it can turn into a a cleared out dribble handoff or, or pick and pop on the side and then he has that iso ability where you take two dribbles yeah. pull back and you hit that 15 foot fadeaway and and now it kind of makes sense because next time the defense has to help a little bit over more maybe it's a defensive three seconds maybe it gives the shooter in the opposite corner a little bit more breathing room it i don't ever think he's going to be the focal point but like a really good second or third ish probably third ish type guy where it opens up everything else because you you can't lose that guy on the court because of the the wide ranging ish skill set that that i see that he could have yeah i just kind of realized what like the idealized version of him is it's probably tobias harris i like that that's good we've upgraded from a morse twin to tobias harris a max contract guy in six minutes here or whatever we'll take it yeah Look, like I, I'm Tobias probably better not, shooter, right? Like, yeah, that's more, the thing. But more like, of a primary shooter. Yeah, but like I, I don't think Keegan, like I, I don't think that he can't be that level shooter. Like I think right. that he could be that level shooter at some point. Like that wouldn't blow my mind. Um, yeah, okay, I, I'm I'm a little bit more sold. Like uh, on Keegan, I I still would have him like more. I, I had him in like the nine to eleven bucket, but. It, it's six. I think it's like a reasonable pick. Like I don't think it's any more unreasonable than who I'm about to take, who you're going to yell at me about. So like, <laughs> oh okay, all right. Let's transition uh, to seven here. It's not here for four hours. Okay, so who do you think I'm taking at seven? The reason you said that, I think it's going to be Patrick Baldwin Jr., but I don't know. No, it's not Pat Baldwin. Okay, uh, and uh, it's someone that's way lower on your list than Pat Baldwin. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking Ty Ty Washington at number seven. What are we doing? Okay. All right. Sell me. Sell me. You watched the Georgia game like six minutes ago. Okay. So. You're consistent. Is, I'll give you that. I, I think you had him like seventh to start the year, and he's still at I'm, seven. I'm, so that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I'm staying steady on Ty Ty. <laughs> wow. okay. Like, I am I am here, and I am on this. Like, I, I am conducting this hype train. That you is are. where I'm at. You are. Okay. Um, he just dropped like 17 assists in the Georgia game. Georgia. Like, yep, he did. Georgia's bad. Like, don't get me wrong. Georgia is not good. Georgia is particularly bad on defense. But I think that what we saw here was a guy that when you kind of clear out and give him some space to operate, you clear out and you give him some space to actually be the real pick and roll maestro of a team, he can make high-level passing reads. He is a really smart, intuitive, intelligent, like reactive point guard and player. You throw in the fact that he's a legit three-level scorer. Like, he can get to the lane and finish with, like, a nice little floater. He can make, like, mid-range jumpers. He can knock down threes. Like, he's uh, 
really been impressive so far. He averages 14 points, four rebounds, five assists, shooting 49 from the field, 40 from three, 82 from the line. Like you look at the numbers, all of those numbers are translatable. Like everything there, those are really high level numbers in an offensive scheme where he's been surrounded by, for the most part, up until that Georgia game, absolutely very little spacing on the court because Keon Brooks doesn't look to shoot from three, really. He only looks to shoot from like 18 feet. Oscar Shibwe like takes those occasional like 18 foot jumpers, but everyone's leaving him open out there for a reason, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, Severe Wheeler, everyone leaves him open because he can't shoot. So like the fact that he's even getting to the lane at all and getting into that mid-range area and being able to play is really impressive to me. I think we haven't seen the best of Ty Ty Washington yet up until that Georgia game oh, yeah. when he yeah. got actualized and had a real chance to showcase what he's capable of. Wow. Uh, I've been fairly critical of Ty Ty Washington. I have because he, he's, he's you, not you a had him, I, I'm, Let me guess where you had him. Okay. 18? 16. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, you... Yeah, I, I understand you play who's in front of you, and he was much better in that Georgia game with with making reads out of pick and roll. He varied his attacks. He he would slow down, then speed up. He punished them in the mid range, and that's always been his calling card. He's a great pull up mid range shooter. I, I do want to point out, you said Georgia defense is bad. It was more like schematically. And this is the notes I took. They they changed their coverage like strangely, like they didn't tag the roller, and then like they didn't switch. So he turned the corner and a lot of times just be like free space free air do what you want you want to pull up you want to go to the rim the other big didn't help and then they went drop coverage and they were like giving him like open jumpers it's like this is what he does like i don't think i would well, they had no plan they had no yeah. plan to and, stop him and yeah so that's like a layup for him when he's taking mid-range 15 footers uh, the big game so far against Duke and, and LSU, I think it's a little bit banged up against LSU. Duke was very early in the year to kick off. I thought he looked yep. fairly pedestrian. There's a lot of good games on deck in the SEC. I mean, that'll be yep. kind of like the determinant for me on, on how high up he goes on the board. I can see him being in this year high. I can see him being a little bit higher range. I can see myself moving off 60 in a few spots. Uh, seven's high. It's good. I like it that you're shooting a shot. So let me... Let me contextualize a little bit why I think he struggled in that Duke game. If you listen to John Calipari, it was very clear that they were trying to sh- like kind of shoehorn him into being a primary scoring threat, like mm-hmm. to be like Tyrese Maxey or something like that, or Tyler Hero for this team. And that's not what his game is. Like his right. game is being a like high level processor of basketball that can play some point next to a bigger wing and act as like almost a secondary ball handler that makes high level passing reads and creates offense that way. Right. Yeah. Um, to me, Ty Ty in the NBA is a very clear and obvious, and I, I wouldn't take him at number seven for everyone. Like there are teams where yeah. I'd have him probably pretty close to where you do, but there are also teams where I'd have him at number six, like pretty easily mm-hmm. because if you have a big wing creator already who can handle some of the initiation burden, I love Ty Ty as like a bigger point guard who can defend ones, who can uh, act as like almost a secondary ball handler. Like imagine him playing for the Bucks, for instance, right? Like that would be 
an incredible fit next to Giannis because he spaces the floor. He makes high-level passing reads. Um, he can get into the mid-range and score. Their offense spaces the court just kind of, you know, automatically. Yep. Right. Like, it's definitely a very situational thing where I love Ty Ty Washington, but I am, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to shoot my shot here and say that I think that Ty Ty Washington becomes a very highly effective part of playoff NBA teams. Wow. As a starting guard. I like it. I like it. You are up at number I don't know eight, Penny. You've, you've left me speechless seven picks in. Number eight, uh, probably more traditional route here. I'm going to go with Benedict Matherin from yeah. Arizona. Don't have yeah. the, the measurements here. What, it's six, five-ish? Six, five, six, six, yeah. Yes, yeah, I think he's listed at six, six. He, he's been a huge part of Arizona's start, averaging around 20 points per game. I think he's turned the corner with his three-point shot, too. Close to 40% shooter both years, both seasons in Tucson. Learning to be more efficient coming off. Ball screen's a little bit more aware, not as blindery, which he, he can be sort of one-track-minded, but he's slowed down. It's not just like shooting off. It's it's seeing what the defense is giving you and, and playing off that a little bit. He is a, a straight-line driver. There's not a ton of boogie and wiggle off the bounce, and that's all right. You just need to know what kind of type of prospect he is. Off the ball, he is athletic. He's a lob throw at the rim. He's to reel in the shot attempts. He, he is trigger happy. He's taken 16 or more shots in like six of the last eight games, but also has been converting and scoring. So it's not like he's having these two for, for 20 games either. I don't know how high the ceiling is. I I, I do think there's value in the production he's able to do, and, and the floor is, is relatively high. And for the guys left on the board, he's uh, he's put it all together the most probably too. Yeah, he was, I believe the next player on my board as well. Um, I, I don't really have much concern there. What, what level of defender do you think Ben Matherin is? Good-ish. I, I don't necessarily think great. There's there's enough of these highlights out here of him like jumping lanes for steals. I, <clears throat> I, I don't say concern, but it, it's just still something to track to. Yeah. No, I, I think that's right. Like I think he's going to be a fine defender in the NBA. Fine. Like yeah. another guy that won't get taken advantage of, mm-hmm. but... You know, not like a difference maker, a stopper, or anything like that. Right. Um, just a traditional 3 and D guy. And in this class, a traditional 3 and D starting guard who can attack closeouts and finish with floaters in the lane. Like, that guy goes, goes in the, the top, top 10. 10. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what we've seen. So. All right, number okay. nine. Number nine. I'm going Kendall Brown out mm. of Baylor, which I would venture you probably had Kendall – Maybe not as your next guy, but probably in the next three, something like that. Uh, had him ninth on the board. He was my second to next pick. Okay, so he's second. So, guy. yeah, Kendall Brown, six foot eight, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Let's say yeah. two hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, out of Baylor, he is like kind of a comboy forward, almost like more of a pure four right now. Averaging eleven points, six rebounds. He's shooting an ungodly number, like. He's shooting down, like down to sixty nine percent. Yeah, he was yeah, seventy three or something. I, think, I was going to say seventy. Yeah, like, I think he's shooting like seventy <laughs> percent from the field because a lot of his plays come off of back cuts, come out off of transition opportunities. Um, really high level defender, very switchable, very aggressive. Uh, can guard one through four, I think, pretty comfortably in switch scenarios. Uh, 
good passer, re- really smart in terms of the way he sees the floor, uh, makes quick reads as well. Like it's not like he's you know stopping and surveying the scene like it's happening. He's get- catching the ball and he has a plan, right? Like he knows what to do before he makes his move. Um, the key is the shot. Like he- he's shooting 45 from three on extremely limited attempts, like under one attempt per game probably. And my significant question is what happens with the rest of the offensive game if the right. shooting doesn't come? Mm-hmm. I don't hate the jumper personally. I think that it's okay. I think it's fixable. Um, I think that there's some touch there. Like, uh, I'm, I don't want to say I'm like super bullish on Kendall Brown, but like, given the youth, given the defensive aggressiveness, given the passing, the way he processes basketball, I'm willing to take a shot on him in the second half of the lottery. Yeah, he converts, as the number shows, and, and he finishes by the rim, he gets out on the break, he's an excellent cutter away from the ball, and he's at his best against that shifting defense. Not the initial pass, but it's like one of those three passes, everyone's kind of scrambling, and then this one he goes. I'm a little bit torn on the passing, because that second game of the year he had 10 assists, and I thought this was going right. to be the projection he was going to be a four or five assist guy he didn't have more than one assist since the prior of thanksgiving if that's right. not not right here so the offense he's just gonna to have to do more there, there's long stretches where he catches the ball and don't even think about like attacking but doesn't even look at the rim i'm 90 totally. i'm 90 ish percent in on the defense i was turned off a little bit in that iowa state game where he seemed out of sorts he was beaten for back cuts he's burnt off some back doors more often than not, he's the guy that's flying around the court, and he's the trapper, deflector, annoyance for other teams. I'd prefer him in the late teens. I, I know, like as I say that, I had him ninth. He, he goes ninth here. Uh, he doesn't turn 19 until May, so he's also very young for the class. So you hope that those slow-release corner threes get a little bit quicker. And right. you, you get him in the right developmental setting that unlocks more of that all-around offensive package beyond cutting and cleaning up by the rim, which is possible, and the NBA is good at guys once they get their hands on them, too. No, I'm with that. Let's go to number 10. You are up. Ooh, Lordy. All right, I'm going to go with Patrick Baldwin Jr. God, I hate that you didn't take one of the next two guys on my board and make my pick easy. That's a little bit annoying. But this is a fine pick, I think, for what it's It's, worth. It it is. This is is a fine pick. And... This is as tough as an eval for me as there is in this draft because it's this same kind of arc collegiately in a sense that his former grassroots teammate on the UIBL, Jalen Johnson, had at, at Duke where you're really good at high school. You project this top five guy. College doesn't go according to plan. And then sort of what happens from there. And the context of it is how much do we forgive him for being on, just to be frank, a bad team? And he's trying to do too much. He's trying to be the big dog, but clearly he's he's the second or third to command on a team. I don't think he's a, a number one scorer. I don't think he's the, the primary offensive threat. There's plenty of even NBA All-Stars who are fine not being the, the first offensive threat there. But it's hard for me to bury him too much when he's 6'10", with a really good jumper when he's comfortable. And I know that's a strange statement for a 32% three-point shooter. It's a, a gamble in the top 10. It's If there's no immediacy of a need for contribution, I would give him a chance here. I, I hope a, a veteran locker room, a coach, can shake some of the complacency, the lack of fight we saw those last couple games before being injured. 
I'm searching a little bit. I, I, I looked up Clay Thompson's like freshman stats at Washington State. He averaged twelve and a half points per game, and then he made his jump a sophomore year. Patrick Baldwin's averaging thirteen point seven, a little bit lower percentages. I know different players. I think he has another jump in him. This hasn't been the the best showing of who he is as a player or a prospect. Normal draft, it'd probably be fifteen to twenty two range for this one. He is uh, he's at ten right now. I, I feel like that's okay. It's a fine pick. Yeah, I, I had two guys ahead of Baldwin um, at this point still. I see more like slightly better Cam Johnson. Yeah, that's fine. That that's good. That's uh, good. Ten, which here. is fine at ten. I think. Yeah. Uh, I buy the jumper. I think that there's too much creation burden on his shoulders right now, at Milwaukee. Right. Uh, he just can't do that stuff right now, and that's okay. Like, I, I think the part of the problem with Pat Baldwin is that we still discuss him as if he's like the number one recruit in the country like he was for two years when he was Mm -hmm. a sophomore and a junior uh when in reality like he's just not that guy and like that's okay and he frankly has really never been that guy in terms of upside right like he was just the most developed as a shooter at six foot nine when he was a sophomore and junior Yeah. yeah so like it's okay that that's totally reasonable it's great for him to go somewhere in the second half of the lottery um again he's like six foot nine and shoots the piss out of the ball like i'm not i I don't care that he's shooting right 32 percent. 32 percent from three like he absolutely can shoot i'm not worried about that um so yeah no it's it's a weird situation with him at milwaukee uh it's a bad situation frankly that team sucks like i'm i'm (laughs) I don't care. That team is bad. Um, they're not great. They're they're bad to watch, even unfortunately. Yes. <clears throat> so, okay, I'm up at number eleven. <sighs> God. Yeah, I'm gonna take AJ Griffin at number eleven. Ooh, okay. Is that who you had next? No, I'm thirteen. Okay, so I'm not too far off for you then uh i was deciding between him and another freshman which won't surprise you uh got it queued up yeah um yeah aj griffin's been awesome over the course of the last little while here uh he is not playing a ton of minutes for this duke team he is coming off the bench for this duke team but over the course of his last six games he's been in double figures despite not playing 25 minutes in any of those games he's been in double figures in five of those games uh he looks like he's getting more comfortable he's shooting 44 percent from three and we're starting to get like an actual sample from him from three the ball looks like it's going to go in whenever he's open um athletically like there's just no like there, there's no one with higher upside at this point uh, he is six foot six. He's a six eleven wingspan. He is a powerful athlete. He looks like an NBA player already in terms mm-hmm. of physicality. Uh, I have some questions about him off the bounce. Like I would, I would like to see what he can do a bit more in half court off the bounce. But look, I, I mean, we're, we're we're on a clear upward trajectory now with AJ Griffin. Yeah. Like it, it's no longer. Um, like oh yeah like this this might go where he has to return to duke or this might go where he's a late first round pick like i i don't see that i i see it as being pretty clear he's going to go somewhere in the lottery now based off of what he's done over the course of the last little while yeah he he's not what 
I or I'd say we expected him to be from the rip. And I think he's been better. And I'd say gives you glimpses and, and not flashes yeah. yet of the player he could be. It, it, my notes, I, I had him 13. I said it's an upside pick, plain and simple. He's like the loading Pure. graphic where like you're waiting to see what happens at the other side. It could be really good. Like You don't really know. Yep. I, I like the NBA frame. I like his instincts as a scorer. Can shoot with his feet set. He stays around the rim looking for those tip dunks. The light still needs to come on for me. And I understand this as a, as a hedge here. Like you, you make a, a big bet for a team, then you hedge on the other side of the second half. Uh, I get it. I, I know he has fans that have him even higher. This is sort of like the range where I, I don't think NBA teams are going to draft him here and think that he's going to contribute. I think he'll also be brought along slowly, similar to the Duke sense. If he can become this ultra-productive guy in, in ACC play and into the tournament, I could see him going a, a few spots higher than this, too. Well, it's Zaire williams from last year. Like, that, yeah. that's kind yeah. of I mean, that's kind of imagining it. Yeah, it, it's really like the last two guys. Like, that's sort of the lens of, of Patrick Baldwin, too. Yeah. Okay, you're up at number 12. All right, at 12, I'm going Elder Statesman here. I'm going Oshai Agbaji from Kansas. He was... Where was he for me next? He was third on my board. So yeah, getting, getting in this year, great pick. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't seem to be much higher than this. Um, I'm a little confused. He, he's been really productive. Even the the Texas oh, Tech we, game, we're we're the highest on him of anyone. Like the two yeah. of us, in terms of like having him as a lottery pick, like we're definitely the highest of him in the public sphere. Like that Texas Tech game I watched this weekend. I wasn't box score watching. I just like watched the game and took my notes. And, and he was seven for twelve for twenty four points. And I want him to like be more assertive. But all his stuff was in like the the flow of the offense. And I could see NBA teams liking that too, in a sense where he doesn't have to be Ben Matherin taking eighteen shots a game to to get his twenty because he's great at doing other things too. But he had this long stretch where he was driving. The defense would kind of step up. He kick opposite. They'd sprint back he'd spot it come back to him and then shoot wide open shots from three and now he's shooting 45 percent from three so he, he understands kind of like the movements of the d and how they'd react to what he's doing not a, a ton of shimmy off the bounce it, it's it's more of that straight line type stuff also he doesn't really waste dribbles on his drives or his path either it's, it's just efficient and if we want to get nerdy he's in the 95th percentile in points per possession shooting 76% around the basket. Uh, he's listing the 84th percent as a cutter, and, and that's what I see him being. There's this off-the-ball guy that won't need to create his own shot. He makes you pay from the weak side with threes, with cuts, with rip-throughs. Match that with he can move his feet on defense. He bows on the glass. I do want him to improve a little bit away from the ball in defense and not be so stiff and like upright and unaware. Yeah. Like there are times in that game where he was pulled up too high his man snuck behind him and it hit a just a back cut. It really simple, but just seemed like he kind of disconnected for a minute or two there. A yeah. fourth NBA starter in, in my eyes, just a, a very steady player. Uh, I see as undervalued, but there there's still going to be something on the other side for him too. Yeah, I really like him. Uh, I don't understand why we are so much higher than the rest of the industry on him. Yeah, um, because we are, and I. I, I can't. I can't figure it out, to be honest. Um, 
He is an NBA-level athlete in terms of explosiveness. He has an NBA frame. He has NBA length. He's an NBA-level shooter. <laughs> Sell me this pen. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. I have him. I had him at 13, I believe. Okay. okay you, you're up, up at 13. Perfect. I am up. Uh, I'm going to go Jalen Duran. Yes, you are. Which I'm surprised that we didn't get to him before this, but I'm also not. Uh, he's been a low usage player who has struggled without the semblance, without the presence, without any sort of point guard play at Memphis this year. They have nobody there who can actually like handle the ball and get him easy looks. So that results in games like against, uh, I believe it was Cincinnati, where he went like three of 10 from the field because they tried to get him involved like on the block. And it was like, he can't do this. Like this isn't the role for him. Like it's to the point with Jalen Duran where you're throwing out this season offensively. You're just like, we, we nothing about what this season has been at Memphis is what he will look like in the NBA. He's going to yeah. be a rim runner. He is going to be a short roll guy who can maybe take a dribble and finish at the basket. Um, and you pray that he develops a 15 footer at some point. And you pray that some of the latent passing ability we've seen at lower levels and the prep level continues to develop, right? Defensively, yeah. he's been a great rim protector. There's no, no qualms about that from me. Like he's been awesome on the block. Uh, this is your Clint Capella starter kit. And I am good taking Clint Capella at number 13. Yeah, this is a slide. And I had him, I think, 11th on my board. We slid a couple of guys up ahead of him. Yeah. I want to give him a little bit of benefit of doubt, too, as, as he should be a senior in high school. He's not. Yeah. And that was, and that was a choice. So I, I don't want to give him too much. But we got to think about that a little bit. I he, like, he is literally the youngest player in the draft, right? Uh, You probably have that in front of you. I'm not sure. But he's got to be close. Is, I mean, his birthday is November, kind of, like then 20, yes because one's kendall kendall brown's close but he, he's right well there, kendall anyway. brown's like may isn't he like he i, I think that yeah. yeah i think jalen's like maybe even six years or six months younger six than years. six years <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think he's like six months younger Ooh, than kendall brown even. 13 years yeah. old doing this it's nuts he is an asset in the dunker spot and, and catching lobs he just he hasn't been great he had that 22 19 game against western kentucky he is shooting 68 percent from the field thought he's looked a little clunky out of pick and roll yeah. and, and any short rolls he does have a player to a game where he'll like slip he catches a, a short of short roll hits opposite dives and you see the feet and say despite being size 18 he has some balance but also offensive foul prone ish until he gets that like really situated as big as but strong how, as he- how much is that going to get called in the nba like i don't think nba refs are going to call him for like Travels, no, but if someone fouls. steps up and slides underneath for offensive foul, he could get that. Well, I, here, here's the other thing, too. How many guys in the NBA do that? Like, no, nobody really does that in the NBA because everyone's afraid of undercutting one another. For the most part, yeah. Um, only other than six- Nasir Little last night with the, <laughs> uh, with Kyrie Irving, right? Yeah, that's, that's why I stopped playing men's league. He's only <laughs> that's a true story. Uh, he's only averaged nine, uh, six rebounds per game the last month, which is wild for someone who's six eleven and big and strong. Yeah, the, the the passing, which is still a selling point, can get a little reckless at times with like cross cross court yeah. passes or throws an extra spin or some flair where the reads there, the looks there, just throw a 
a normal pass, and then we've reverted back a little bit with like the motor issues that plagued him prior to his senior year yeah. of high school. With his physical makeup, I'm not saying it should be Oscar Shibwe and average 15 rebounds per game, but you want more in that world than not the six rebounds per game world. His numbers in conference, I, I hope they, they get better. This is also another guy who I've seen play significantly better against the best players in his class. Uh, I don't think this season is a, a full snapshot of who he is as a player, but it, it is a data point, and that's why I had him at 11. He goes 13 here and why he's not in the, the top five like he started the season. Yeah, randomly, like I had Jalen Duran, I think, at number 10 on my board. So we both had him higher. It's just like an example of every time you do a draft like this, guys kind of – Yeah. So, okay, you're up at number 14. End of the lottery here. I – if you told me the preseason this was the first G League Ignite player taken, I would have said you're crazy. Let's stay on the crazy train, and I'm going to take Marshawn Beauchamp from the G League Ignite. Give, give me the pitch, because, well, here, let, let's do this. So, number 15, I'm going to take Dyson Daniels. Oh, I like it. So, One-two one, one, punch. Yeah, so let's like let's just talk about the two G League Ignite guys that I think are the two best G League Ignite prospects. Who is also uh, next on my board as well, so we're we're close. Yeah, so uh, you give the pitch on Beauchamp first. Sure, six foot seven ish. I know you have the measurements. That's why I'm 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 calling out here. I've watched him for a long time. I, I never I never thought we'd end up here. He's reinvented himself as a prospect and a, a lottery ish type level of talent where he's not playing the wing but he's not a primary wing creator instead he does yep. everything else he slashes yep. hard off ball reversals with either hand uh he's a pain in the butt on the glass when a shot goes up you try to box him out he's scrambling he's getting it he's keeping plays alive the shot looks better it, it's still a little bit rigid he's 24 percent from three in the g league games thus far there has been an uptick in percentage, and he's still, while still being comfortable in mid range, he's just building this contingent of fans and NBA front offices as this like no frills, down and dirty, gritty with a little bit of pop, constant moving, can defend, can score on offense without having to be the guy. And, and this is the range we talked about when we first dug in here that. It's how can this guy, as a piece, add to what you already have and not thinking you're necessarily build around him. And that's why I'd argue he's been effective as it's the Jaden Hardy show, it's the Scoot Henderson show, it's the Dyson Daniels show, and he can clean up everything else as like this side plate yep. and, and be effective. Yeah, I really respect the way that he goes about like his shit. I guess is like the way to put it. Like yeah. I just really, I, I uh, he plays the kind of game that. NBA front offices will like be be happy with because he is very happy without the ball in his hands. Like he is totally good with that, and these are the kind of guys that translate to being good role rotation players. And to me, right now, I see him as like a seventh man. I, I had him a little bit lower on my board. I had him at nineteen. Yeah. Um, the reason's the jumper, and I, I don't know what to do with the jumper right now. Um, I, I do. Do you like the mechanics even? Because like I'm, I'm even like a little oh, really? bit, it, but but it's questionable it's, on that front. It's sort yeah. of like a little bit of a, a reconstruction type thing, not a total breakdown, but some some heavy tweaking. 
the the one thing I wanted to add without cutting you off is he's good without the ball, but not complacent without the ball. Like he's still moving, yeah. he's yeah, still yeah, screening, yeah. he's still cutting. He's not one of these guys where it's like, all right, Dyson Daniels doing whatever. I'm going to stand in the corner. If he needs like a, a miracle back cut to end this, I'll, I'll go with seven seconds left or something. Like he's moving. Yeah. He, he's he's finding his little spots. He can flash the high post, catch, attack, look at opposite, rescreen, rebound too. Okay, so let's move to Dyson Daniels now, who I took at 15. Yeah. So I like Dyson Daniels a little bit more than Marjan Beauchamp. I had Dyson at 12. Um, the reason that I like him a little bit more is he's pretty damn close to as big as Marjan out there. Yeah. Marjan's a bit longer, but if you told me they're the same height, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me Dyson Daniels is like half an inch taller, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. Um, you throw in on top of that that Dyson... I think processes the game of basketball with ball in hand at a much higher level than what Marjan does. Uh, his passing ability, his ball handling ability, um, his ability to read and react on the court, I think it's more impressive than what I've seen from Marjan so far. I actually like the jumper a little bit more as well. Like I think that long term, there's less to fix, even though the percentages, I believe, are pretty similar right mm-hmm. now. Uh, I think it's more a matter with Dyson of getting stronger. Dyson's also two years younger than Marjan, is he not? Yeah. Like I think that it, maybe it's like a year and a half, something like that. Um, and then on top of that, like in terms of positional defense, I think that Dyson is probably the best perimeter defender in this class. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of like guarding ones and twos, I think Dyson Daniels is utterly incredible at it for someone who is six foot six like he can use his length and athleticism to bother the hell out of those guys in a really significant substantial way marjan is a bit more flexible and switchable i think just because of his length uh than what dyson is like i think that dyson might struggle a little bit on fours uh i don't know that marjan would necessarily struggle on ones uh you know, if we're kind of talking about like positional flexibility and switchability up and down the spectrum of positions. But I think that Dyson's ability to pester at the point of attack and frustrate opposing guards uh, drastically exceeds Marjan's defensive ability at this point. Yeah, the, the more I, I watched Dyson Daniels, I wasn't super impressed internationally. And the first couple of games of G League, I didn't get it because I thought he was slow. But it was more, it's more methodical than, than it is slow. It's more paced. It's, I, I see how he can tie yeah. the offense together. And he then makes you play at said pace. He, he doesn't get sped up and, and go too crazy. It's like, we're going to play this way, and I'm going to dictate the tempo, and you're just going to have to deal with it. I also yeah. think he's playing a little bit out of position, and he's still able to balance scoring and facilitating while doing that. He doesn't force. Yeah. Uh, he finds that role man when he when he is cut off, and then he'll pump fake and kick out. If not, I think also he uses his size well. Similar to Beauchamp, a little bit. I see as a player with ability to be in almost any style of offense. He doesn't have to have plays drawn up for him. He's not going to complain about touches. Just a really solid all-around player. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't complained about touches this year, despite the fact that <laughs> freaking Jaden Hardy and Pooh Jetter are playing ahead of him for yeah. some reason. So, you know, that that's a good sign, too. Yes. Uh, okay, you're up at number 16 now. Am I say? Oh, it is 16. Okay. 16, he was 15 on my big board as I scroll here in real time. I have Blake Wesley from Notre Dame. 
Yep, love that one. Breaking your heart. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, that is disgusting, and I don't like you. Okay, so <laughs> at number sixteen, six foot five, he keeps getting better. I almost want him to go back next year and be this Jaden Ivy type of college player. I, I don't think that's necessarily going to be in the cards. It's going to be hard to keep him out of the draft at his size can play the one or the two he drives really well off reversals then can kind of contort twist his body around the basket to score finishes in the paint he he doesn't look for bailout fouls and and flail in there stops really hard to pull up for jumpers from mid-range we're watching him develop in real time he's much better now at a pick and roll he's quicker with the release on his jumper it's a little bit of a sling across his body but you've seen it be sped up he's improved his rebounding numbers uh, he's had multiple steals in four of the last six games, and he's the head of yep. the snake for a, a Notre Dame team that it's also won five straight games. As a half-court offensive creator, I think he and Ty Ty Washington are the two best guards I've seen this year yeah. uh, as freshmen in this class. Um, he has completely adjusted to being able to play on the ball in the half-court, in a way that is really, really impressive to me. Typically, this does not happen for guys that are um, this young, frankly, let alone were ranked outside the top 50 in their recruiting class. Yeah. Um, I think that Blake, he was one of those situations where he was like kind of hidden away almost, right? Like, yeah, a little bit. He when, committed when just, to Notre Dame like pretty early, right? Yeah, and from South Bend. So if you, you kind of have right. those two things going for you. I don't, I don't know how many people are necessarily going to fly out there and watch him and it's it's the famous covid year too so i don't think he was able to show how much better he's gotten either right um yeah just a very crafty creative ball handler in the half court that i think is going to translate to the nba pretty well yep. um okay i'm up at number 17 this yeah. is where we get really fun let's get um weird. i'm gonna go nikola jovic for the first international player taken uh in this class this has not been a great international prospect year so far uh many of the prospects in this class have unfortunately just not been very good to start the year um uh, yannick sosa has not been great uh usman dieng has been pretty bad over here in the nbl uh jovic has been the one I don't want to say breakout, but like he's consistently playing real minutes for mega. He's averaging like 11 points and six rebounds. He showcased some of the real passing ability that we've seen at lower levels from him. On top of that, I do want to note that the jumper looks much better. His shot prep looks so much better. Um, He's taking shots off the hop, off the catch. Uh, The mechanics at the top of his release look much better. Um, Everything looks clean now as a jump shooter. And to me, that's going to open up the rest of his game a little bit in a real way. Um, He is a four man to me. Uh, He's about as pure a four as you'll find. But I still have some worries on defense because of that in terms of his flexibility and switchability. But offensively, I think he's really good. He can handle the ball. He can pass it. um, He can shoot it. Like There's just a lot of skill there um, that has a chance to translate to the NBA level. And he also just turned 18 in June. He was in that U19 World Cup, had some standout performances, had 26 points, 13 rebounds against Argentina, 28 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists versus Japan. Just a big playmaking, scoring, fundamentally sound type of package to him. Knows how to use his length and up fake, spins to free himself because he doesn't really have the, the bursty first step, but confidence game, he, he kills you if he's left open. Um, can rip and run to start the break a little bit too. I had him 18. I had him one pick off here. 
Okay. You are up at number 18. I am, and I'm going back to the SEC. I'm going to the Bayou. I am taking Tari Eason from LSU. I was convinced I was going to be the one to take Tari, but I am, yeah, uh, I'm glad that I'm, you've done so. I'm looking at the next 12 picks, and I think this is the guy. Six foot eight transfer from Cincinnati from Pacific Northwest. Played with Jade McDaniels at high school for his junior year, so I, I've been able to watch him a lot. Mobile, up and down big. He's a menace in transition, as the multiple players he's put on posters can attest to. He's averaging <laughs> 17 points and 7 rebounds off the bench, which is a choice. Uh, had 24-12 and 12 versus Tennessee, almost a block and a half a game, a steal and a half a game. He's fluid off the bounce. He controls his body and balance and can get up above the rim. The shot is sort of a shot put from his shoulder. There's some progression also with him during the year. Has to get a little bit higher, a little bit more comfortable. I'm anti-drafting big, so I, I had stayed a little bit, un- unless it's this two-way athletic toolsy player, and I think that's who he is. If he develops his left hand a little bit more too, he's, he's very, very right-handed. He's going to keep getting better. He's gotten significantly better from high school to Cincinnati to now at LSU, if he stays on kind of this path, I think it's a, a fair pick at number 18. Yeah, well, one thing that a couple people have now mentioned to me is just his strength. Like, he is really strong. Like, he looks like what? He's probably listed at 225, I something think he's like that. 225, yeah. Yeah, but you talk to people that have played against him and that have been around him, they kind of say that, like, He's one of those dudes that you really feel him. Right. Like whenever right. like he's on you, like you are you kind of can't move. Yeah. Like he, he can hold his position and you're you're just like kind of stuck. Or he's gonna power through you like it's nothing. And that shows defensively, I think. He's been one of the best defenders in college basketball this year. Yeah. Uh, if you believe in the jumper, I, I totally buy this pick. Uh if you don't, then I think he's like number thirty five or something yeah. like that. Um I would take him in the first round. I, I believe in the jumper a little bit more than what I think others do. I had him at number 20. So I, that's why I was convinced I was going to be the one to take him because I thought like I was just going to be the higher one of the two of us on him. Yeah, so, that's why the, the boards are fluid. We've said that. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't I don't hate this pick at all. We just talked about him. He was my prospect of the week, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. So I, I don't know that we need to dive a ton deeper into Tari Eason. Number 19, I'm going John Montero out of uh, the Overtime Elite Program. Yep. And we've talked about this program. The two of us still have no idea how to scout it. Correct. <laughs> from, uh, any I'm sort trying. Of I think con- we're trying. Yeah, any sort of contextual standpoint. In terms of what I've seen, I really love John Montero's craft off the bounce. I think that he's a very real pull-up shooter. I trust his pull-up jumper more than I trust uh, someone like Kennedy Chandler's pull-up jumper. Uh, I think that he's just a bit more fluid in terms of his footwork and in terms of his release. Uh, In terms of the passing, I think that that gets interesting because he very clearly, it seems like, has tried to make it a point to make high-level passing reads this year with OTE and to be more of a distributor. Because when he was coming up, he was playing over in Spain. He's originally from the Dominican Republic. He's, what, six foot one, let's say, six foot two, somewhere in that range. Um, a little smaller, but that's where they list him at. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
doesn't seem to have crazy length, but when he was over in Spain, he was much more of a scorer. It was much more of like a pull-up threat, get to the floater game, kind of everything like that. The reason that I'm more comfortable with him now is because we've seen some real latent flashes of passing ability out of ball screens. He's starting to go through his progressions a little bit more, starting to make high-level reads. He's making high-level reads against high school teams against um, kids that I don't know what to do with necessarily in terms of contextually comparing them to, for instance, the SEC or the ACC or whatever league. Um, Frankly, this league is much worse, I think, in terms of talent level than what those leagues are at this point. So, and and the teams that they play against, basically, it's not even a league, really. They're just like kind of finding teams to play against. Right. Um, Given the passing ability that we've seen, I'm more willing to take a flyer on John Montero here, I would say. Yeah, the the size scares me a little bit at, at 6-1, more probably shooter-scorer than, than passer. The passing has been better. I agree with you there. Uh, I had him at 24, a, a little bit more of a slide. I, I understand the appeal. There's there's people who have him up in the lottery. I, I'm, I'm nowhere near there. I still have to watch more games. I, I've tried to do my research, talk to coaches that, that played against them. Uh, I just want to be able to watch more of Overtime Elite. I know the competition is basically what it is. It's not getting better or necessarily worse the rest of the year. So we kind of have to take it for for what we have right now. And for what it's worth now, all 19 of the picks so far have been in my top 20. So that's that's interesting. Now we're getting into a different tier, I think, of player. We are, and I'm at number 20. Uh, you're probably yep. kind of similar. I'm going to stop the bleeding. I'm going to take Jaden Hardy from the G League Ignite. He was number two left on my board at this point. <laughs> you should just do the one-man podcast. We're, we're thinking the same way. He has yeah. not been incredibly efficient. He hasn't. He came with a really big rep from high school. He's still going to get his buckets. He had sort of like this breakout, maybe turn the corner-ish type game where he had 30 points the other night. You see the appeal in the way that he gets his own looks and has real distance and range on his jumper. He wants the ball. He wants to be the man when the clock is winding down, hit game winners. The handle is fairly loose and susceptible to reach-ins. Like When he goes and if a guy helps, it's it's a bobble fairly often. But he's this power scoring, I think more of a combo guard. I think he has to be more of this Gilbert Arenas type guy than – your table setter and i think he's hurt himself yeah. a little bit casting that role forcing himself to be something that he isn't it's a small sample it's 13 games or so but we, we can't completely- wait time, time time out there did, did you say that he's like a table setter like no, he's no, no. like making pass can't can't be your table setter that's the problem like he needs to yeah. be more of the off the ball scoring combo too and i said he's hurt himself by trying to be a table setter he's he's not that but at times so oh, like- i see I don't even think he's doing that. Well, he has the ignite. ball. Like, he's like sort of <laughs> like, a – he's playing point guard-ish. So I, I guess that's kind of what's assumed. They're not like rolling the ball out and, and hoping that he scores every single play. I think the, the vision is that he can be more of that. I'm not saying that's what he is by any means. I, I don't think the coaching staff's doing that, but I, I think that his attitude is that. Sure. So <laughs> as, as a spinoff of that like- – <laughs> it's hard to be that guy when you're shooting 36% from the field and 27% from three. He does shoot close to 90% from the free throw line. There's some small footwork tweaks. I think that would help. He he has to use these screens better. And when he comes off, keep going, you're separating yourself, all the actions behind you, but he has a tendency of catching it, like taking a step backwards. The defense is there. You're making your shot that much tougher. Sometimes these former top five prospects, they need different locales than the ones they're in to figure it out. 
we saw it sort of with Brandon Boston. A little bit with Zaire Williams we talked about. It's possible. I, I haven't completely checked out on him, but I don't, I don't see the top five stuff that we had in the preseason either. I, yeah, I don't see the lottery stuff even. Like I'm, I'm so, like completely. Somebody could take him I, there, though. Put it that way. Won't be us, but somebody could take him there. I'd be surprised. Uh, that's that's where I'm at. Like I, I would be surprised because just, let's just like think about the profile here, right? Mm-hmm. How big do we think he really is? Six four, maybe. If you told me he's like six two and a half, I wouldn't be blown away. He he looks small out there. Oh, like, that's they, what they I mean like when six, I say eight across that. the like, board, but yes. But like even against other teams, like he looks small. I think at the end of the day, like he is not an enormous player. And to be, let's say, six two and a half, and I mean, he has long arms. Like he has, a, yeah, he seems to have a ton of length. Yep. Yeah, like I'm not saying he can't be that, but then you throw in that he's. I mean, he's not like a crazy athlete. Like he's not crazy. Uh, he he's better than shown. He, he's. I don't want to say above average, but he's average plus. He's not like an average athlete. He's better than that, but he's not above average either. I don't know if that makes any sense. But to be the kind of shot creator that is his game, mm-hmm. you probably need to be like a well above average athlete. Or or a well-oiled machine on knowing how to use screens. Because we've seen slower-footed shooters yeah. who are just very good with their footwork, very good on that first push, separation, then really coming off hard. And he hasn't really got there yet. See, like even, even someone like Lou Williams, like I think that like that's kind of what the pathway is right yeah, um, if, if he's Lou will I think that's a home run yeah no but but like that in terms of like player type and trajectory yeah right like that's mm-hmm. what you're hoping for right um Lou Williams I think was quicker like I think he was a little bit twitchy yeah, yeah for sure than what Jaden Hardy is yep so I see a guy here who I think is somewhere like I'm gonna say I legit think he's somewhere between six two and six three like I, I would yeah. listed I'm gonna be very interested to see what he comes in at in terms of measurements like i I, let's even be generous and say six three so a six three two guard who isn't a crazy athlete who is a bad decision maker Mm -hmm. like doesn't make high level passing reads right takes a ton of terrible shots like a ton of hideous shots and doesn't defend like he's he's a bad defender too yeah what is what what about that as a lottery up even like if, if you say you want to throw out this year, what about that profile is a lottery profile, I guess? Uh the scoring. The scoring. if this thirty point yeah. game is a yeah. true breakout to him being a, I think he's averaging like seventeen or eighteen, so it's not like he's averaging single digits. But if he builds on this, gets a little bit more efficient, and that's why why people really liked him out of high school, is his ability to score and shoot with range too and stretch the floor. Yeah. Okay, I look. I took him twentieth. I'm not selling you on on seven. No, I know. So it's, I know. It's a little like, bit lower. We're and I had him net. Like I had him after this next guy. He was next for me. I'm just saying, like in terms of the people who have him in the lottery. Yeah, I'm just like a bit unclear on. I guess. Like I, I don't. I, I I just don't know. Like I don't know what the profile is that like really says that. Like I look at him versus Dyson Daniels, and I'm like. Okay, Dyson Daniels, you can plug into a real role right now. Yeah, plug it anywhere. It makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. The 
the margin for error for someone like Jaden Hardy is like zero. Right? It's yeah. like literally zero. So um, he needs to become an elite shooter. He needs to become elite in terms of footwork, in terms of handle. Like he can't just be okay at one of those things. He needs to be like incredible at, both, at all three of those things. And that's hard, I think. Yeah. Not saying you can't do it. It's just the odds of hitting all three of those boxes, I think, are a right. little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, 21, I'm going Kennedy Chandler. And you and I, I think, have been a little bit lower on I'm Kennedy up. than what yeah. the yep. consensus like take is on Kennedy. Uh, there are games like against Colorado where he looks like a like just speed demon out there when he's turning the corner on Evan Batty every time and getting to the rim and finishing. Um, there are also times where teams switch defensive coverages and ball screens, and he looks like he has no idea like how to handle yes. it. Um, that that's the big thing that worries me. Like when I, when I watch him, I see a guy that is still really learning. Uh, how to be a high-level point guard and not just use his speed and tools to get where he needs to go. And that's a difficult... That's tough for me whenever he's a six-foot guard, I guess, is what yeah. I would say, who also has some like real shooting questions as well. I, I think you and I have talked about it or, or you wrote about it before too, and I prefer Sharif Cooper over him and Shreve doesn't yeah. really get much burn. He, he slid a little bit when you're that size, you have to really, really be able to shoot it to, to stick and to score. And especially in the playoffs, especially in the seven game series, like those are the types of things that are isolated on and exposed. So I, I had him a, a little bit lower than that. I won't completely deny that he's had some, some good moments, but seeing those games where he has switched on or, or is a little bit more physical with, with guys, he, he's struggled. So I, I actually have him outside the first round, which might not be a hugely popular thing. Um, just I, I don't necessarily love the style of play. I, I had an agent say, could he be Darius Garland? I said, no, he cannot be Darius Garland. Uh, but I, I don't know if that's Darius, the sell or the yeah. pitch. But D- Darius, Darius can shoot. Like Darius yeah. is like no, not just like shoot. Like he's, he's shoot. He's probably yeah. a little bit bigger. He's an all star. <laughs> like, that, like that's the difference. Can I think? Can he Chandler be an all star? No. Can he, can he find a, a spot, a fit? If a team wants to play up and down, it's possible. Kyra Lewis did it. It's possible. But I, I don't there, – there's a ways to go to kind of be a, a starter, I think, too. And you're too – unless you Ky- have, like, a monster-sized two-guard, too. Kyra is even, like, a, a decent bigger. amount bigger than yeah. Kennedy six, is. Yeah. One-ish. I mean, it's, it's just really hard to be a six-foot guard who is 170 pounds. Like, it's yes. really hard to do that in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like Kennedy, like I actually like his defensive effort. Like I, I think he that does. he really he worked, cares he works on that. On defense, yes. Like, but he's just going to get blown through. Like the dudes in the NBA are fucking strong. <laughs> I mean, oh, re- re- really strong too. And, and some of the, the, the points that people make about defensive stuff, like he'll really work and it's like nice for a possession or two. It, it's hard to do that every single play. when you're, you're posted up, you're reaching in, you're doubling down. Like you just get worn out too. And like the speed yeah, and, and isn't then the also same by the to, late second half, fourth quarter when, when you're doing that every single play. Yeah, and then also have to lead the offense on the other end because he has right. to be the point guard who's initiating everything. Like, yep. it, it's, man, it's hard. I think it's hard. It's hard to buy. Uh, a number that 
scared me was that Tennessee's offense has the same offensive efficiency, whether he's out there or uh, their backup, Zakai Ziegler, is out there. Yeah, not great. Not great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's my pick. Like, I, I still think the speed <laughs> is real. I think the creativity is real. Um, like, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with him as a player off the bounce, but I see him more as, like, a backup point guard who could maybe be, like, the – the 20th to 30th best point guard in the league. And yeah, like you mentioned Sharif Cooper. I think Sharif Cooper was a much better prospect. Sharif Cooper went 47th last year, something like that. And I had Sharif Cooper at like 23 in a better draft. I have Kennedy Chandler at like 20 right now. So yeah. Okay, I'm up. I'm 22nd. I am going Wendell Moore from Duke. Okay, this is a guy that I had outside the first round. So this is my first one outside the first round. I, I, I do feel he's come back down to earth in that Miami game. Uh, but I do like how resilient he's been all season. You could argue he's potentially Duke's most valuable p- player, but maybe not most outstanding player. He's shooting 54% from the field, 38% from three. He has to keep that three-point percentage up to be a threat and for yep. me to kind of take him into 20 range. I like that he's primarily off the ball and still around five assists per game which is showing real growth he hits the boards he takes good shots for the most part and when he plays that role of primary facilitator he's comfortable and and his defense has been solid to very solid he's a rotation player in the right place uh not a player i see being a star can be effective maybe like right off the bench or fifth starter or just a different look than than your lineup may be on the court look maybe this is me like having flashbacks because I really like Jacob Evans coming into the draft. Yes. And this profile screams Jacob Jacob Evans Evans. to me. (laughs) Uh, Guy who isn't super comfortable shooting from distance. Uh, I know he's shooting 38. Jacob Evans shot a reasonable number from distance as well from the college line. I don't know that I've seen Wendell Moore take like an NBA level three. Um, or like an NBA distance three this year. Uh, I haven't seen every Duke game, so like, please don't don't yell at me, me and send me clips. Yeah, um, turnover rate in their three ACC games so far, as he's like running the pseudo point, like initiating their offense, twenty seven point one. That's Not exceedingly <laughs> high. Um, his numbers have been much better against lower level competition. That's not to say he hasn't had good games against high level competition, but like you even go to the Ohio state game where he had 17 points, six rebounds, five assists. I mean, he went seven for 15 from the field and like scored 17 points, essentially on 17 shooting possessions, whenever you count in the free throws Um, against Gonzaga, he was what, like looking here, 26 and six. Uh, That was great. But like, Gonzaga's perimeter defenders are not all that athletic. And I think that that's where you kind of see the ability to have success there. Uh, Against Kentucky, he went, you know, 12 points, three rebounds, three assists. I'm not saying I don't like him. Like, he's still 20 years old. I don't think he turns 21 until, like, right before what would be his first year in the NBA. I have him as a top 40 guy. Like, I'm intrigued because he can really pass. He can dribble. Um, there is some upside as a shooter. He defends hard. The question that I have, which I've kind of outlined before, is just if he doesn't shoot, I don't what know what the offense yeah. looks like because I think that that could, like, really cripple the, his game a little bit. Yep, fair. Okay. 
23. Next up for me at 23 is another Duke guy. Uh, so we're going to the well again. <laughs> it's not the Duke guy that I think people are going to expect. It's Mark Uh-oh. Williams. Oh, I already wrote down Trevor Keels. I will erase that. It's not Trevor Keels. Got it. It's Mark Williams. Okay. Uh, I think Mark Williams profiles as a starting center in the NBA. Um, seven foot wingspan or seven foot tall, seven foot six wingspan protects the rim at a very high level, rebounds the ball, just like gobbles up everything around the basket. He's phenomenal in the dunker spot. He has the mobility to be great in pick and roll. If he had like a real point guard, uh, next to him that can like feed him lobs constantly. I think everything that we see here is, you know, we mentioned Jalen Duran is a Clint Capella starter kit. Same deal with Mark Williams. Yeah, similar. I had him 28th, just rim protector, rim runner, dominator in the dunker spot. Uh, had great finish to last season and carried it over to now. Sometimes you see it, it not necessarily doing that. He's okay being the guy when he needs to be. He clearly isn't now. No frills. He has pretty decent hands like his instincts. Could be a center, starting NBA center in time. Yep, I'm with that. Okay, you are up and it is number 24. 24. I am going Harrison Ingram from Stanford. Next guy on my list. I All decided right. between him and Williams for the last pick. 6, 7, 6, 8. Really good passer. Really, really good passer. Not the most fleet of foot, so he succeeds using angles or being advantageous of mismatches. Does a little bit of everything in the stat sheet. He's the type of guy that I'd say like almost the Celtics need where he's not going to force the action for shots, but he can connect with passes. He's unselfish. He'll rebounds. Then he'll get a side isolation or two where he'll post a smaller defender or up fake and finish opposite. Shots got to get better, and that's why the shot in the feet are why he's at 24 and, and not 14. I like the way he sees the game uh, a little bit ahead, and, and when you watch, you'll notice that as plays are developing, even when he's not involved, he's kind of pointing guys to the right place. So he knows how it's supposed to look. He, I like his processing speed. End of the first round, yeah. it's worth taking a flyer on a guy that, at the very least, keep your offense rolling and, and make his, his plays as Mark felt when he has a chance. Yeah, another guy that just needs the jumper. If the yeah. jumper comes, he'll play in the NBA for a long time, I think. Yeah, I, I like this pick actually quite a bit. I think this is good. Um, okay, number 25. Give me Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor. Ooh, like it. Okay, I'm 30. And I don't know if this is one of those deals where Jeremy Sohan, I have no idea if he's going to enter the draft. And Mm -hmm. frankly, like, I don't think Jeremy Sohan should enter this NBA draft. Mm -hmm. But his tools are real. He's 6'8". He has shown some ability to shoot the basketball. I think he's at 36% from three. His defensive versatility has been pretty strong. I feel really good about him on threes and fours. Uh, I would even argue that like you can run different types of ball screen coverages with him. I don't know if I feel good about him switching onto ones, but like you can live with him out there on the perimeter. Uh, good passer. I really like what I've seen from him so far as a passer. Uh, athleticism. Like I don't worry about that really with him. Like he can laterally move more so than like he doesn't have like a crazy amount of vertical pop, but like it's enough there to like go up and dunk if he needs to go up and get a lob right um it's it's tools more than production right now and totally uh, i'm comfortable betting on the tools in the end of the first round this is like a pre-draft candidate a classic pre-draft guy we're 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 straight pre-draft the next five picks i I like what he does 
and extends when he when he goes off the bounce. And he's, he's always in the right place, and this might sound a little silly. It's like the shot's there, but it just needs to go in. Like, everything else is right. The mechanics, the prep, you're wide open, you're squared up, and it's, like, a little bit off. I, I, I texted somebody the other day. I said, what do you think his actual best prospect game is? Because I've watched a lot of Baylor. And every time I do, he's been okay, and he'll dominate against, like, Northwestern State. Then you go back and watch Iowa State. Just has to put it all, like, all these little tools and things, put them together to, to make a full package. I like him. He'd be way high up on my board next year. This is a, a, a pick I, I do like at 25. Okay, you're up at 26. 26. Back to Durham. I'm going to take Trevor Keels from Duke. This is He was next for me. Also, a little bit of an investment. I get he will eventually be this two-way bulldog type of guard we all got excited me in- included with how strong he came out of the gate he's kind of come back to the prospect he actually is right now very very strong i think they said on the broadcast he set the duke bench press record uh also makes game changing type plays needs to shoot better per- than 30 percent from three uh, knows how to use his body off the bounce he, he put the the lockdown on ty ty washington opening night i take him here bring him along slowly and, and hope he becomes part of your rotation down the line yeah i think that that's all right like yeah i have no no no, no qualms uh the, the thing that worries me remains the jumper i know that every team i've talked to is like oh no like he can shoot yeah. and like every person on the internet seems to go oh no like he can shoot like don't worry about it and I don't love the mechanics. They seem very compact. I don't love the numbers. Like it's, I'm, I'm. Is it weird to you that people just assume he's going to shoot? Uh a little bit. He, he was a good shooter in high school. He was coming out, coming yeah. out of high school and coming on the grassroots circuit. He he could shoot. He hasn't with the slow start. I think like the third or fourth game of the year, he like shot really well, and people were saying like, "Well, that's kind of the the player." Now he's coming back to that thirty percentish guy. Has to get better. Yep. Okay. Uh, next up, I'm going to go J.D. Davison out of 26, yep. Alabama. Yep. And this is just a pure pre-draft flyer. Hope that it works out. Great athlete, like a, another legitimately elite quick twitch explosiveness guy at the point guard position. Has shown some real passing flashes. I don't buy the jumper at all. Uh, I <laughs> Like, maybe if he has a wide-open spot three, but I definitely don't buy him off of pull-ups right now. Uh, I don't love his defense either, uh, but they often play him on, like, twos and threes as opposed to ones just because he's a little bit bigger than Javon Quinterly and even at times, like, Jaden Shackelford, depending on what the matchup is uh, across the, like, two and three position. They just play small. Um, Yeah, this is, like, a pure let's hope the athleticism comes together because... Uh, you know his feel is fine. I, fine. I think like he sees the game. He's just like inexperienced from having played, not played a ton of high level basketball yet. Yeah, uh, he comes from like a very small school in Alabama and yeah. just hasn't gotten that experience. So uh, we'll see. But I think that like this is a pure we'll see pick and a pure take him and pray. Yeah, I've cooled on him when it, when it's a track meet in the open court. He's one of the top picks. I'd say like with Atari Eason type. When it's a half-court game, I'm uneasy. The reads from pick-and-roll or touch-and-go. The eight-turnover game against Tennessee really stuck out to me. I want to be able to capture that speed and, and toolsy stuff while showing how to be a change-of-pace player. It has to be more than three to four wild plays a game. It has to just be a little bit more of a, a combo shot needs to get there. Yep. 
Uh, okay. You are up at number 28. <sighs> this is a, a pre-draft thing, and the guy said we weren't going to draft. I'm still going to do it. I'm going to take Max Christie out of Michigan State here. I know he's off your board. I, I, I know why. Michigan State's won seven straight. Yeah. His emergence has been one of the main reasons. He's been double figures five of those seven games. Looks more comfortable in that role he is now. He's knocking down threes on the move, getting the free throw line a little bit, being active on the glass. He's not ready. He needs strength. He needs playing time. Take him ahead of schedule knowing he'll progress in your, your G League affiliate with your right developmental coaches and hope he's, he's one of these guys that should have been a top-time pick if he went back to school. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, if I had ranked Max Christie, I would have had him ahead of Jaden Hardy at the very least. Like, being realistic, if you were running a team... Would you take Jaden Hardy or Max Christie? Uh, Max Christie. But I, I think it's more... I would I mean, Obviously, I don't want to say more reasonable. Jaden Hardy's coming out. So this is sort of like a hedge of a hedge of having him at 28. I think he's better than 28th yeah. prospect, but more of a logical range if it's like on the fence. Oh, God. I have to pick at 29. This is disgusting. Um... I was hoping that, like, you would have left me someone. Yeah, um, there's a couple. <coughs> I am going to go... I'm just going to take Aminu Muhammad, I guess. All right. Like, I'm... I'm 31, you know. 2, 3, 34th. So, yeah, I'll take Aminu Muhammad. Uh, he is six foot five. He's powerful. He's strong. He defends. He brings energy and intensity. Uh, he is... A very questionable shooter right now, but I appreciate that he can drive and attack uh, in a substantial manner. Uh, his true shooting percentage right now is 49% because he is driving into traffic every single time that he drives. Yes. Uh, he was flat out not very good against Marquette. Uh, he had 12 points and 6 rebounds and 3 assists, but shot 5 of 17 from the field. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Trade. Uh, all right. Trade. <laughs> trade. N- number 29. Trade. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm at 30. Grand opening, grand closing. Do you want to make the pick for me or do you know what I'm going to do here? I know what you're going to do. Now that mm-hmm. you said that, I know exactly what you're going to do. With a 30th and it makes pick me happy. In the NBA draft, <laughs> I am taking Josh Minot from Memphis. <laughs> from memphis and here's why i like josh at his size six what seven eight sure he hardly played to start, he hardly played to start the year which it, it made no sense to me on this fast rising combo forward that has some vision has some feel has some craft had this buzz coming out of their pro day the last three games he's played 20 minutes 23 minutes and 25 minutes started two of them against tulsa he had seven points 11 rebounds five assists Started versus Cincinnati. He had 14 points and 10 rebounds. I like his front court versatility. He can live on the perimeter, then post smaller guys, get putbacks on the board. He's an excellent cutter. If you turn your head, he's gone. Has some separation speed with his handle. And that makes real attempts to to move the ball and to find other players. Like he'll go baseline and, and whip it opposite, then then come back in. Yeah. If he has a runway, he's going to take off and dunk on you. Uh, there was a play the other night with Imani Bates where he rim ran. Imani lobbed it up. He he dunked it. The three point mechanics need some fine tuning. He sort of leans backwards until left. His arms and legs go everywhere. 
he's all over the place out there. Also, he needs time. Uh, I really, really like him. He's one of my 15 guys I've mentioned who would be top 10 picks in a year. Please, Memphis, keep playing him. We like what we see. I couldn't let the, the moment pass by to not take him at 30th. I love him. Uh, like, I, I love the tools. I absolutely do not think he should leave. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I, you could make that case for 24 down, right? From like yeah. Harrison Ingram, Jeremy Sohan, Trevor Keels, J.D. Davison, Max Christie, Amina Muhammad, Josh Minot. We're, it's, we're, we're throwing stuff yeah. out there and, and hoping it hits. Uh, guys that I did not take that yeah. I like. Uh, I couldn't quite convince myself on Colby Jones. I love Colby Jones as a player. Uh, he just hasn't been very good in their last couple of games where they've started to play like real high-level competition. Yep. Uh, let's see. We didn't take Bryce McGowan's or Caleb Houston, which I think is interesting for a number of reasons. Um, trying to think. Who else? Who, who are some of the upperclassmen, I, I would say? Uh, I, I don't know. Like EJ say, Liddell has fans. Yeah, no, he does. He he's been better. He shot it poorly at the game I watched against Nebraska, but he shot it better. I think people see him a little bit more of a a switchy big than than I do. Yep. Uh, the guys that that you mentioned, Bryce McGowan's. Uh, I it, it might be a next year thing. I still really like Julian Strother. Like late, late first. I'm yeah. not I'm not saying fifteenth. Uh, Christian Brown has some fans from Kansas. Yep. Some people have him in the twenties. Usman Dang, that that's kind of more your lane. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I mean he's just been terrible for the Breakers <laughs> so far. Like there's just not. I mean he's averaging like three points and shooting twenty percent from the field. Like it's. I, I will say this. I would bet you that a team that has like three first round picks or a team that is yeah, buying into the first round yeah. would take them at like 28 or so. Uh, uh, um, uh, I, I'm not quite as high and I never have been because I don't love the efficiency, but I, I think Usman Dieng will go somewhere in the first round, no, no, uh, the, late first round. The, the last two who, I don't know if they sneak there, but could be like a 35-ish type pick that sticks. I like Julian Champagny from St. John's. Yeah been really good and then alan flanagan's come back from injury just frankly doesn't look like the player he was pre-injury that takes time um but but kind of right around there turn shannon's the same way that back spasms kind of more in that 30 to 40 ish range yeah darion sebron as well oh, that's a good one uh, yeah. out of nc state has fans as a driver attacker um kind of everything across the board there as a finisher uh Ismail Kamagate out yep. of uh, Paris in the French League has some fans. He has been incredibly productive and efficient this year as a six foot eleven center. Uh, the Keon Ellis hype seems to have died down yeah. a little bit. Uh, Yannick Sosa is a guy I mentioned earlier. Has a lot of tools. I frankly don't think he should really enter this draft. If we're being honest, um, I don't know if he'll go in the first round. Uh, Jaime Jaquez. I really like Jaime Jaquez. He was in my next five. Uh, now just looking at my actual board as opposed to just like my big list of names. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I love Jaime Jaquez. He's tough. He's physical. He passes. He can shoot. Um, Hugo Basson out yeah, of the breakers as well has had a good scoring year to start uh and finally the guy that i actually had up next is caleb love out of north carolina oh, boy yeah yeah I, I do love caleb love quite a bit um i'm not sure if uh again he is anything more than a 
like combo guard scorer. But if we're comparing him to Jaden Hardy again, I wonder if he actually has better tools than Jaden Hardy. Just kind of thinking about it logically. Could. Could be in the same tier. Yeah. So, um, any anyone else that you didn't mention? Uh, that was it. I mean, I, I've cooled on Matthew Cleveland. Like, he should go back to school. Uh, I've all liked- of the Florida State guys, please go back. Like... You are all very talented and very good. I would love to see your team next year. (laughs) Uh, We talked about Peyton Watson, uh, Walker Kessler, probably in that like more low low forties range. Christian Coloco has been pretty good. I could see that range. Jordan Hall, Uh, I'm a fan of. Christian Coloco is a good name too. That's a really good name. He'll go somewhere in the top forty. Another guy that I think really deserves extra looks from people is Isaiah Mobley, out of USC. He's starting to shoot the ball. He's a really good defender. He is six foot ten. Um, he was also within my net, like top six or seven group there. Yeah. That didn't get picked. Fifty guys for thirty picks happens. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. how it always works. Um, do you say Musa Diabate? There are some fans. Oh, I didn't. Still. No, I didn't. I said Jordan Hall. He has some fans too. I think yeah. he could. He could make it work somewhere. Hyunjin Lee. Um, I'm just going to say, I, I really liked Adam Flagler in the preseason. I just, and he's starting to come no, on a little bit for Baylor. Yeah, slow start, but he, he's shooting it better now. Yeah. Um, okay, that's that's all we got here yeah. for this episode. We've gone for two hours. We have. Um, it's a movie. Do, do you, speaking of movies, do you have one thing that you want to mention? Um, we're, not, we're not going deep diving today. No, nah, I, I think I'll store it away. I saw. Um, okay. I'll just. I'll say one. I saw. I watched Clothes for Storm. I think it was on Amazon Prime, which is about the abandoned Jazzland Six Flags in New Orleans, that's abandoned post Katrina. Uh, interesting. I, I'm always fascinated, kind of, by like these Olympic structures and stadiums that are built and abandoned. So to have mm. one, like you could see, like off the highway in New Orleans, is pretty nuts. Um, yeah, that I, sounds I, I, pretty cool. Let, let's go. Let's go on a. Uh, uh, field trip, game theory field trip. Whenever <laughs> oh, we, the we, final four is in New Orleans uh, this year, there you go. <laughs> there it is. I, I have more movies. We'll save for next week. I actually watched some stuff. Okay, uh, I've watched the first three episodes of Yellow Jackets last night. Yes, and holy fuck, it is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it is heard good, so heard good. good things. I, I would fully suggest people watch Yellow Jackets. Um, Christina Ricci cracks me up every single time she's on screen. She is one of my favorite performances through three episodes i think i've ever seen in my life Ooh, strong it is it is she is so funny like every single thing that she does is hilarious to me um okay like i said no mailbag no um prospects of the week or anything we just named 30 prospects of the week (laughs) uh Please go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Yes. Uh, go subscribe to the podcast. Uh, go subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash game theory uh, to help support the show. Uh, Penny, do you have anything you want to plug? No. Plug the YouTube channel. You did that. Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. Those are the plugs. Uh, yeah, please go follow Matt underscore Penny. Uh, what, what are we at, Penny? What, what, what uh, kind of, what kind of better? Twitter following better. drive can we do? 2,500-ish. We're getting there. We're growing beautiful yeah follow matt penny Growing, on building. twitter for the love of Slowly. god yeah. <laughs> i'm not asking a lot it here. helps the Please sell, follow matt helps penny. The sell. <laughs> um 
Yeah, and we'll be back next week. Uh, I'll have an NBA show. I will have a uh, Penny Draft show. And then uh, we will be back for more. So until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.